Hello there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I am Tom Nolan, and I'm Mario Ponzio, and this is this is the the winter. It is when this releases. It is December third. Yeah, see. December first is Thursday. So I was gonna put it December. out. I was gonna put it out today, and then oh. put out another one. Oh, were on you Thursday? Yeah. Okay. Well, then it is November 29th. <laughs> um, so that is fun. Well, what, oh, we're gonna put it out today because of what happens yeah, yeah, yeah. later on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is the beginning, the big beginning. Well, we said this last week, but you know, this is a big week in film. So we're doing a full dedicated episode just on film. We originally had Black Panther yeah. to review. Uh, you had some car issues, and then I told Tom he doesn't really need to see it yet. We've had because ca- it's yeah. my quick review. It's fine. Seems like it's everybody's quick review. Lakita Wright is not a really good actress. Well, you know what's funny? It seems like the Latita reviews Wright? are like Letitia Wright. Letitia Wright. It seems like all the reviews are just like Chadwick Boseman isn't in it, and that's too bad. Then like that's that's the end. And there's still and there's not even a lot of Lupita Nyong'o either. It's like, yeah, what's going on here? Yeah, Angela Bassett. That that the talk of her getting nominated. I'm. I'm I mean, there's people idea. I have above her, but I'm okay with. She's she's the one person I think who's holding up that movie. You know what's not holding up that movie? Lighting. Wait, Marvel. What? You don't need to make all these like super CGI movies. I think. Because, I think they're learning that. Because I think they're you, figuring that you out. Keep changing what they need to do with CGI, and then you realize the CGI looks like shit. I mean, I don't think it does necessarily because I, I don't expect anything from it. Mm-hmm. But like in this movie, there's like, oh, it's a big CGI scene. Let's uh, put it put it at nighttime and have it be pretty dark. Yeah, I hate when they and do that. And constant camera cuts. Ryan Coogler, or whoever his second, I mean, I have, you know, most, a lot of these films are filmed by second unit. The action scenes are filmed by the second mm-hmm. unit. Um, but noticeably on Black Panther and Black Panther Wakanda Forever, dude, those action scenes are rough looking. They like have, they are Super quick cuts. They have like that born ultimatum style of shooting an action scene where it's just like cut, 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 cut. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think Ryan Coogler, I think for all of the credit that he deserves for like these Black Panther movies, um, he's not great at like, right? maybe not, it's not even his fault. The action in Black Panther always seemed good, except for when like the CGI seemed made the bodies look weird. Um and that happened a lot, and it kind of, it always took me out of, like, the end fight scene with, you know, Killmonger and Black Panther, like, with that, that train. And I was like, this is, like, a stupid place to yeah, put and a it, fight. Yeah, it can't be and his fault. They looked weird. It also can't be his fault, because Creed and Creed 2 have, like, well-shot action scenes. Yeah, I don't think so it's, it's, I don't think it's, it's, it's just, Coogler it's, the, it's, it's a... the medium. It's, like, the superhero medium. He's really good at generating, like, emotion out of it. And I wonder if it's, it's like, that not like, getting the Maybe he gets, part. like, the shitty second unit. Like, you know, Black Widow, like, during some of the early action scenes look pretty decent. I think it's just the nature of what that movie is versus what Black Panther wanted to be. So they thought they, they were going to make Black Widow, like, a hand-to-hand type movie. And Black Panther, they wanted to expand it out a little bit. Yeah. All right. But yeah, that was my quick Black Panther comment. But no, uh, so this is the week of the Sight and Sound 2022 list being released. I think... The list is officially released in magazines on December 4th, Mm -hmm. Uh, but on December 1st, Thursday, on, I don't know if it's just going to be on the Twitter or whatnot, they're going to release like the top 100. I don't think it's going to have like the full, obviously the full page spiels and the discussions of whatnot will be 
um, released with the magazine. I do, I, I didn't look up the director's list released on December 1st as well. I think it's just... I don't know. I'm less interested in What I've in read is just the critics' list. Yeah. The director's list tends to be better in well, my mind, but it's... I guess it is, but it's, it's always... It's not the official list. It's not the official list, and it's, it's very... Um, I don't know... It, Inside baseball, I, I, what I keep hoping with these lists that I'm going to find is like a combination of like the two things where it's like very inside baseball for the director's list. Like here's this like 40 minute movie that this guy made like or that this random director from like Estonia made in like 1970 that like no one has seen but the director. But like or but that directors have seen that seem to get issued to directors who made films at a certain yeah. time. Like man then, with a movie camera, I guess is somewhat close to that. I but, mean it's yeah. historical, but like But like there's there's a there's a certain um and I was just going over the 2012 list, obviously, because and we'll tell people why in a second. Like um you know, there it's it's it it, it reeks of like trying to establish like a film canon and like like a literary canon where in which Half of the movies, like, you don't need to see them. And you, if you, even if you could see them, like, you wouldn't want to see them. Like, you just, you know, maybe for, like, I'm not even for, like, historical context. Like, you're no. not even sure where this movie came from. But it's on, it ends up being, because it's on the sight and sound list, it ends up being on all these other lists. And then when you go to watch it, you're just like, really? Like well, yeah, this? And we'll, and we'll talk, I'll talk about kind of, like, the structure of how the sight and sound works in a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the sight and sound structure, a lot of people who vote on this tend to vote for movies that they really, I think, almost shouldn't. Mm. Um, personally, because I don't think... It's... I don't know. I, I kind of... There's... I was reading some, like, the lists months ago of the people listing, like, their own personal top ten yeah, yeah. that they submitted um, to Sight and Sound. It's kind of like, like the... Because the, Sight and Sound doesn't really give, like, a criteria. A defined no. criteria. No, 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 no. Um, and so that that's true. Like you said, they're creating a canon... If I you told me like how would I have approached this and like if we wanted to do our own personal top tens for like what Reed put on our science sound list, and I, I don't know. I would never. I mean, if I was invited, of course I would take it. Um, but the way I would approach it is uh, kind of desert movies. The movies I'd watch if stuck alone in a cabin like you were that yeah. one weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For uh, JFK. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like, if you had brought your 10 movies to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's how I would do it. And I would not be fucking watching... I love Rules of the... I like Rules of the Game quite a bit, but I wouldn't be watching Rules of the Game. Mm. I wouldn't be watching for Enjoyment Battleship Potemkin. Uh, I would kind of put the movies I could see myself stuck watching 10 movies repeatedly yeah. over and over again. And I think a lot of that would end up being very similar to our pivotal list. Yeah, um, and I, we kind of did it because you had mentioned that I had like mentioned we should do that maybe and then you had mentioned that like we kind of already did it and that's like the summer of the pandemic was kind of us like dealing with some of those like movies and that really kind of informed like a lot of my thinking on like what like the greatest movies might be. Um, which is not, it's just not a thing. There is no greatest, there is no greatest movies. There's three to 6,000 movies released every year over... 80, let's say 70 years, right? Right. I mean, it's obviously increased year by year. Um, the amount of Machine decreased. Gun Kelly in movies has really gone up. Yeah. In the last couple of years. It's a really good Danny Gonzalez. He's <laughs> a YouTube guy who like reviewed his one movie, and it's, it's funny. Um, but no, like when you have over 30, no, not even 30, when you have hundreds of thousands of movies, there is no top 100. 
I mean, there is none. No, there's like there's probably a official top like five hundred or yeah, thousand like the, or something. like the thousand and one movies to see before you die list. I, I'll give some credit too because yeah. like yeah, there's that, and I think there could be like a top a person who's inspiring right now to be a modern filmmaker. There's like a top hundred films you'd want them to see from an editing um, performance, uh, you know, direction, cinematography, sound standpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but if you're just trying to like list, you can't list just ten films, even from a canon standpoint, from a getting people in the film standpoint, um, or anything. You can really only go from like your personal top ten. Well, I just think like so. You know, and we're going to talk about this more later, and we can end, we can move on to beer and like kind of like the first part of this conversation, like. I'm not, I would not, so Vertigo's at the top of like 2012 list. I don't know how that got there. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I've seen Vertigo like a number of times. I think it's really good. It's, uh, is it the best, the greatest movie ever? I'm pretty sure it isn't. Like when I watch that and when I watch like a number of other movies, I'm just like, well, that's better than Vertigo. Yeah, and but I but like I, maybe I don't know how better how. See, I give I give some credit to the idea of Vertigo in the top ten, just because it is fun. I mean, ish. You, but I could see somebody who like being a child of that time, just like you know, so Scorsese with Searchers thing, like liking it. See, I don't think it's a child a child of the time though. I think this is people. I think it's people that are like ten years older than us, or like five years older than us that are just kind of like you know what. Would be, you know what I'm supposed to put here is Vertigo. You know, you know what I'm supposed you know, to put could, here is we this. We could literally figure that out if we wanted to. We could. By cross-referencing ages. Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll actually excel it. I might excel sheet it. At one, after the 22-22 list, I might actually just spend a weekend just doing that for... Yeah, longer. you could because that's the beauty of the sight and sound thing is that they list everyone that voted in their... their yeah, balance. which is the best part of it. Because like, you can look at... Almost all the fil- all the films that received any vote, and they rank it mm-hmm. in some way eventually. Yeah. So, but yeah, fun. to keep in our theme now of winter, because this is the winter era. You brought a oh, the winter era, the winter the <laughs> era of winter. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus, it might be. Who knows? <laughs> it might be a long one. Uh, you brought a beer. It's a porter. It's from Kent Falls. We I I don't know why I got this. I like the can. It's a perfect. Well, also it's a perfect name for the beer. Yeah. For both, like the film we're discussing, pause and reflect, and for um, yeah. What you're supposed to do. Like I wanted something with a monkey on it, but I couldn't find it. Um, but yeah, it's got, uh, what does it say on the side? Porter brewed with locally grown trit, trit, trit kale and trit emmer. kale and emmer. Uh, I would assume Good. Yep. that is hops or something else. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's people named trit kale and emmer. Trit kale is a wheat, uh, variation of wheat, and emmer is... A seed. Um, oh. It's not Tom. It's, it's a U.S. representative uh, for Minnesota's sixth congressional <laughs> So, congratulations. Tom Emmer? Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, God, he's born in South Bend. This might be a Republican. What kind of porters I enjoy uh, having that. Uh, Which means... It tastes good. He, he followed Michelle Bachman. He's a Republican, though. Uh, yeah, it tastes good. It's got it's got that like to- it's got that toasty taste to it. It has that um, that crisp kind of porter flavor. Mm. I sometimes, uh, especially a lower ABV, because it was, was a five, like a five or yeah. six. 
Um, porters, I don't want it to coat the tongue. Mm. I think on the head, because their flavors aren't usually as complex. You're getting a very sort of toasted wheat, toasted oaty flavor, um, our malt, and it just is smooth. Can I give you... And not very dynamic. Not Yes, and I think it's one of those beers that requires atmosphere. And I think, you know what I mean? It requires like this This is image. campfire beer. Yes, campfire beer, fireplace beer, like... Something going on in the morning. background, like yeah, exactly. Snowstorm beer. Yeah. Snowstorm beer is like yeah, this is that, that exact kind of beer. See, well, um, I'll say now. Talk about the. I do want to talk about the pretentiousness of the sight and sound really quick. I I put north and north by northwest on my um, sight and sound top ten if I had my own still. Yeah, it's on here though. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, would you call that? Like I'm trying to reach for something. I just have a lot no, of fun with that. No, because thing. I think North because I think North by Northwest is more obviously something than Vertigo is, and I think that's why people put Vertigo on the list because it's a little more difficult. And then Psycho's too popular, even though I would put Psycho on my top ten list. Well, I would not put Psycho as my mind, but I would put North by Northwest. But I think that's but so I think to your point, that's the benefit of not being like a guy. Like I'm not a Hitchcock guy, so Psycho still kind of kicks my ass all over the place, where. Like vertigo, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I get it. I, you know, I just, it is what it is. North by Northwest, the same thing. I'm just like, I, I get it. I, I see what you see. Yeah. I just don't like, I don't love it. I still do love like, you know, the soundtrack to Psycho still like gives me kind of like chills. I love it. I, I actually love the overexpository ending um, of Psycho. I think that that really works for me. I think that Psycho is like a much more complicated movie than people want to like say because it's been kind of like so adopted into like the culture. I think the way I do my science sound list is if I would look at it as somebody is going to pay me $10 million hmm. to watch 10 films over the course of a year, one time each week, hmm. what 10 films would I choose? I mean, and obviously maybe I'd lose my love for them after that period of time, but that's, that'd be my personal criteria. See, and so, like, fucking Die Hard would be on my sign sound list. So yeah. still send me an invite, because I'm going to get yeah, yeah. Die Hard up there in the thousands. I am. Um, <laughs> I would do... Th- it, it's funny that we keep talking about this. Maybe maybe that's illustrative of, like, the first movie we're going to talk about, that we're rather talk about this other stuff. I would choose the movies that feel like they're infinitely deep. Mm. Like, that I could... Like, so it's your point that you can kind of watch them, like, forever and... Like kind of pull stuff out of them, and but like their depth seems like perfectly measured, where it's not deep because like I don't get it. It's deep because it's there's so much there's so much there. The text is so rich. Die Hard only got one vote in the 2012 list. That seems weird. Aaron Katz, who voted also for Alien, Die Hard, Anna Hannah her Sisters, Last Days of Disco, Night at the Opera, uh, La Note or whatever the. Um, Antonio film, uh-huh. uh, Il Posto, uh, Tokyo Story. This is a weird list. The Trip and U.S. Go Home by Claire Denis. Whoa! See that—that's the kind of like top ten that I have a respect for. Because that guy, like, seriously, was like that. It went like created a criteria. I guess of like his top ten. He's like, I'm gonna have all these, but I also gotta do this completely obscure Claire Denis movie in there. But like, it probably you know hit. We'll talk about Claire a little bit. First, Mario, let's talk about a guy who's going to have some... uh, Does he have movies on the list? 
Yeah, he's got to have one, right? got to have something on the list. I didn't know. I've looked at this list a lot of times. I didn't notice that he had anything on it. I don't know if he does. It's interesting. Uh, But that that director is, of course, Steven Spielberg. Um, And I don't know if he does. I don't think he does. Eh, Maybe that makes a little bit of sense. We'll talk about it. Uh, And the movie we're going to talk about is his new uh, autobiographical feature, The Fablemans. Dismiss what he does. It's playful or imaginative. You could afford to be a little encouraging. She should have been a concert piano player. What she got in her heart is what you got. You can't just love something, you also have to take care of it. It's more important than your hobby. Can you stop calling it a hobby? Mom got a monkey. Why'd you get a monkey? Because I needed a laugh. You always have to be the center of attention. Stop shouting at her! That has been nothing but disrespect from you! I'm your mother! Family, art, it'll tear you in two. You stop making movies, it'll break your mother's heart. I don't know what to do anymore. You do what your heart says you have to. What was your favorite part? The Fablemans follows <clears throat> Sammy Fableman, Sam Fableman, as he likes to be called as he gets older. Um, growing up in 1950s New Jersey and uh, moving across the country with his parents, um, as his father, uh, I always want to say Arnold, but because that was his dad's name, mm-hmm. uh, Bert. Uh, Fableman kind of increases in his role. Um, in the beginning of the film, Sammy is shown the greatest, uh, not the greatest, the uh, greatest show on earth. Mm-hmm. Fucking, that movie sucks. Um, that movie's awful. It looks really bad. But have you not seen it? Have I have you, not. It's seen bad. It. It's terrible. I think it's like widely considered one of the worst Best Picture winners. <laughs> I, I believe it. Um, it was that and Crash and then other, anything else. Yeah. Green Book and whatever else. Anyhow, Sammy is uh, awestruck by the train derailment scene from that, and it sets off this love affair of film. Mm-hmm. Uh, we follow Sammy as he moves to Phoenix and later to California as his father takes a position um, with, uh, does he go to RCA? He starts at RCA. He starts at RCA, he goes, takes a position at GE, and eventually at IBM. Um, Sammy pursues film as he becomes like an Eagle Scout, uh, you know, making various movies with his friends mm-hmm. um, while also uh, kind of dealing with the repercussions of uh, his parents kind of faltering marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, Mitzi, his mother, uh, is secretly having an emotional, if slightly physical affair. We don't ever have sex, I guess, uh, with Bert's best friend, Um Benny, and that kind of increases and increases as the film goes on. Uh, after a camping trip, Sammy makes a movie for Mitzi uh, because she's kind of been mourning over her mother's death, and she he sees there the the fact that this 
you know, affair is occurring. Um, Bert is kind of somewhat aware that something is amiss, but is uh, a cuck, I guess. I don't know what the fuck to call him. He's just an emotional cuck. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Isn't he? Uh, <laughs> not really, but he's just like, is so emotionally detached and trying to keep everything on the level yeah. that he kind of avoids it, but it kind of buries him mm. deep down. Mm. Uh, eventually they move to uh, Northern California to Santa Cruz County. Right. It's Santa Cruz County mm-hmm. um, where Sammy now confronts uh, anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kanye's there. So is that Nick guy, uh, Nick Fuentes. Um, and is bullied at school um, for it and you know, after having kind of like accepting and friendships. And he kind of deals with that repercussions but uh, and dealing with his own parents' uh, divorce. Um, <coughs> and eventually he creates this movie for the senior skip day uh, that uh, highlights one of his bullies, uh, kind of insecure, but, you know, high achieving athlete bully in this mm-hmm. heroic light um, that kind of causes that bully to, to break down and it kind of sets Sammy who had been kind of like pushing away from making movies because Benny, uh, his uncle is one of the ones kind of pushing it and mm. you know, divorces and his mother kind of pushing it um, kind of pulls him to pursue film. Uh, he does so um, moving then to LA where he gets a internship offer at CBS to work on Hogan's Heroes. Get uh, What's his face to pop up there? Um, David Lynch? John no, not Ford. David Lynch. Uh, the guy that plays the producer. Oh, yeah. Uh, Gre- to... Greg Grunberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, always like to see his round face. In He's movies. one of those guys that's always in stuff. Yeah. If, like, it's in presti- like weird prestige stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, and eventually he gets to meet John Ford, where uh, John Ford just kind of gives him a very... A uh, rough description of the weather for that morning in Los Angeles. <laughs> you ever watch those with David Lynch? We did yeah. the morning reports, yeah. Um, and sets him off, tells him <clears throat> to get the fuck out of there, which is based <laughs> upon a true experience that Steven Spielberg had when he was 15. And um, Zami walks out into the sunset, mm-hmm. and that is how the <clears throat> film ends. The film, obviously, just into the interesting off. horizon. The interesting horizon. You want to say your thoughts on this first, or do you want to hear my thoughts on it first? I don't know. I don't know. This is one of those movies where I just... I think we almost clash. I think... Oh, oh I thought we were going to clash on this one. Clash? Like, I thought you were going to think one way about it, and I was going to think a completely different way about mm. it. Mm. I guess I'll start. Unless yeah. you want to start. Are you more firm? Uh, yes, I would say. Go. Uh, you know, I'm not at all... Uh, fan of modern Steven Spielberg at all. The post sucks. BFG's dull. Ready Player One is awful. Uh, West Side Story, I just barely watched. Don't like Lincoln. Don't like War Horse. Don't like Bridge of Spies. Like the event- love Adventures of Tintin. Don't love Adventures. Really enjoy Adventures of Tintin. Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull was fine. Remember when uh, Kate Blanchett got eaten by all those bugs? <laughs> oh, she doesn't get... No, she her head like explodes. Who gets eaten by the bugs? Oh, oh her like her second no, or second in command. Who's that? She's it's just some Nazi or oh. Soviet guy. She's the one that like she sees the skull. Oh like, yeah, that's case. right. 
I thought it was fine. Munich was okay. I like War of the Worlds. We're getting back in time, right? Terminal is pretty good. I'm not as huge on Catch Me If You Can. My new order report, meh. AI, no. Same Private Ryan's, but like where we get to the time where I like Steven Spielberg. This is one of my favorite Steven Spielberg movies. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, well, I went into this movie not at all wanting to watch this movie. Uh, there's a World of Regal article, which is kind of like this like small little alternate blog website, which said like the Oscar movie's dying because like this failed, West Side Story failed, all the Oscars movies this year have imploded mm-hmm. uh, because nobody wants to go fucking see these kind of films in the theater. And that's certainly me. Mm-hmm. If I could have the theater experience with this film, and I, I think this definitely improved it. Um, same kind of thing happened with Belfast last year. Belfast was a much inferior film. If I could see these movies in a big screen and still drive to the big screen, but know I'm going to be alone or only with like one or two people, mm-hmm. I would enjoy it. But I don't like going to see these types of movies in a big screen with like a decent group of people who are going to be people. You know, because it's just like, it's not enjoyable. I'd rather see these movies Mm -hmm. by myself in some sort of scenario. People are terrible. Um, So my mindset going into this was one of dread. Because I was just, you know, having to drive over there. I saw that now like four (laughs) seats were taken. And like, because like for two days leading up to it, my ticket was by itself. And I'm like, Uh I kept looking like. Still by myself, still by myself. It's like, like a reverse minutes. Taylor Swift situation. Yeah. She sucks. <laughs> um, 15 minutes before, like, all the, like some seats started getting yeah. taken. I get in there, and only uh, two seats had gotten taken. So I was like, okay, that's good. And then the first 10 minutes of this movie are fucking awful. I think the, the opening of this movie is when, until we get oh, the kind yeah. of time skip where Gabriel LaBelle takes mm. over. I think the, the young... Sammy is, is a pretty solid um, Mato Francis DeFord. It's a pretty good in the role. It's fine, yeah. But like we're getting that Janice Kaminsky shit, uh, like that bright I, lights, that highlighting. I have things to say about that too, but I don't, I don't like disagree with you. Um, that, that shot that people call like the pivotal shot of this film is fucking stupid. What's the pivotal where he's, shot? Yeah, why is he doing it onto that? his hand? Why? And the, then all of a sudden he realizes he could just shoot it onto the wall as but, well. So, Again, save that idea because yeah. that's something I want to talk about. That like, so I'm just whole idea is something I want to talk about too. And yeah. then as it gets, he gets older and yeah. we get the marriage is kind of falling apart. Spielberg kind of pulls away from himself, it seems like. He, it's not, the bombasticness isn't there. Hmm. And to me, this felt like a more like a PTA film. Paul Thomas Harrison film. I don't want to say PTA. And it kind of hit me when he's in the hallway at the end. In, in with the lockers. Um, mm-hmm. It's the, the Kaminsky's kind of like pulled back a couple of these shots kind of like become super Kaminsky in the middle when they first go into like the uh, IBM home that they buy, mm-hmm. like the lighting's everywhere. But like when they're going to the beach bingo and whatnot, it kind of feels like pretty normal. Mm-hmm. When you're watching the movies that Sammy makes, those have like the Kaminsky shit. But everything else seems pretty grainy. Mm-hmm. And like that shot in the hallway where you get like a really close um, kind of disappearing center line shots mm-hmm. like from two sides. Mm-hmm. It has like almost like a golden rule effect in some of the hallway shots. It felt the perspective of it kind of felt more like a PTA movie, the Paul Thomas Harrison movie and, and kind of the sense of it 
Mm. Felt like a Paul Thomas Harrison movie. So the fact that this ended up not being kind of a love letter to movies, like it, the movie aspect of it ended up being an escape. And when you're kind of stuck in the family drama, which just ends up being more of a movie about that, mm-hmm. uh, it's significantly grounded. You get, you know, just a simple piano score throughout. Um, yeah. And I think every moment where I I suddenly fear that Steven Spielberg is going to do modern Steven Spielberg things, and he stops himself from doing that, made me appreciate this film significantly more. Uh, I love the shot when Sammy kind of first watching editing the video, and the camera kind of like spins around. I mean, it's a very noticeable shot, the 360 shot, where it's like Gabriel Le, uh, LaBelle's face spin around to like what's happening on the screen like with Benny and Gabriel LaBelle's face. And that shows later when him and uh, Mitzi kind of have that moment where she slaps him, um, mm-hmm. but she goes into the thing. She goes into the closet like she did when he was young and she watches it and it's kind of shot, shows on, it's like stays on her face for a second. <clears throat> yeah. But I sense like, oh man, Steven Spielberg's going to edit this a lot to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But I really want it to just stay on the face. Mm. And then it, does yeah and most movie outside of a couple like the ibm home which i don't know if that was like intentional because it's supposed to be like this brand awakening to like the marriage becoming healthy again but then the camera kind of stays once again uh had through the eight millimeter film on michelle williams face that she's about ready to carry over the yeah the threshold the, the threshold where she's just like still miserable looking um the restraint in that was smart. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a re- I think the fact that like Spielberg restrained himself heavily worked extremely well for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I became super engrossed in it because I, I think I went into it with this expectation. It was kind of love letter of the film, and it's more like the catharsis of film. Mm-hmm. And you know, if if you're kind of like an artist, like kind of a more creative type versus a more practical type. Um, I, th- I think it did those two connections extremely well that it was impressive to me that like still late stage Steven Spielberg can like not jerk himself off on screen. Yeah. I, um, I, um, I don't disagree with you. I liked it. Um, I thought you were really going to dislike it. No, no, no. I, I do like it. I think my problem with some of these, these, you know, as we call them late stage Spielberg movies is that like, well, for I mean, for one, we like different stuff. Um, like I like, I, like I like Lincoln. I I don't think it's like, you know. I guess I don't. Hate I don't it's like I a great. It's, it's like a great all time great long, movie. I just long, enjoyed it. It's long the tooth. I guess it's it is. But it, I I I thought it was inventive how he turned it into a political thriller, like mm. a, like a movie about Abraham Lincoln. He's like, we're gonna just really kind of turn this into a John Hawks and Friends movie, which is like fine with me. Um, with Daniel Day Lewis as Lincoln, it was fun. I, you know, I like Catch Me If You Can. I love AI, um, you know, and like some of the other stuff I can, I either think sucks or I can kind of like take or leave. Um, and I think the problem that I'm having with some of these movies is that like this, the screenplays feel very inconsistent and like the motivations for certain things just kind of like aren't there. And they're, so it's, these become more like, like this movie was, I felt more like a technical exercise than it was like a movie about like a marriage that I really cared about. Like there was no, at no point, like in the beginning, like I know what happened to Steven Spielberg's parents. Um, 
He like finds out. He found out way later. Like, yeah, way yeah, yeah. Later. And like, there's a whole dad Actually, thing yeah. with like he was estranged from his dad for 15 years, which his dad did on purpose just to like so he could preserve the kid's relationship with their mother because he loved that you know his wife so much, even though they weren't married anymore. And blah blah. blah. Um, I don't know. Paul Dano seems like a good guy. He seems to care like way too much about engineering, but he also seems like super fucking supportive. So like the and, idea and very family oriented, right? Still. So the idea that he's like. She can't be a concert pianist, like, seems really weird to me in this movie. Because it seems like if she wanted to be a concert pianist, she totally could have been a concert well, pianist. She gets in her own way, is, is kind of the, the premise. But I agree with you. I, I, don't, I don't think the script does that well. I don't think Kushner's a really good screenwriter. So this is a, that's a really weird thing. So, <clears> I mean, it, it, they make a point of saying, they, with, and well, I guess we'll talk about the Judd Hirsch um, scene in a second. She, he makes a point of saying that, like, his... Her mother, so his sister, John Hirsch's sister, Michelle Williams' mother, like prevented her from 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 doing that. Like she could have been something, and then she got her mother got scared, so she prevented her from like being concertinist. It's cool, like it's one line, you know what I mean? It's like one thing. Um, whenever they show Benny and and Mitzi play, played by Seth Rogen, which is. I, I love the idea that like Seth Rogen is like the pinnacle of like human charm. Um, that just makes me laugh. He's, I, I he's like pretty good in this. Yeah, pretty, he, he, he turns on charisma pretty well. and Well, sure. Yeah. Shuts, he turns on the charming parts of his actor personality and shuts off the grating parts of it. Um, yeah, you're right. Um, there's a couple of scenes early in the movie though, when like they're, they're, um, you know, Benny and, Mitzi are kind of playing and Bert is like right there with them, like playing together. Like this seems like a, a generally for a little bit, it seems like a generally pleasant situation, a playful situation, whatever. This kind of happens like a bunch of times in the movie where there's supposed to be like an emotional resonance to certain situations happening. And it, but it's not in the script. It's not in the text. They just kind of take for granted that like, we're supposed to like, feel like that this is happening but it's we don't see it anywhere well i think, and I think it's it just strikes me as it's like one of those things that's just struck me as very weird so i've had very weird feelings watching this movie being like i think this is working sometimes in doing what it's it, doing what like whatever the project is of this movie it's definitely doing it but it's doing it and it's, it's doing it like on the back of like like a weird emotional narrative inconsistency which i feel like needed to be square to make this movie like hit, like hit with the impact that I, I I think it wants to have. Well, I agree. I, th I think from a dialogue standpoint, it's it's an extremely weak film. I think for, I, and I think it's more of a technical I have a, an extreme technical appreciation for this film because I think me too. I, from, I do too. I think I mean obviously these these things are probably in the script, but I think that dancing sequence, which is shot weirdly, and I'm not a big fan of it, but when it's when she's dancing, mm -hmm. and I'll get to like why I don't like that extremely, because mm -hmm. uh, there's a thing in this movie I, I absolutely despise. Mm -hmm. um, I shouldn't say there's a person and performance in this I absolutely despise, um, and the way it's blocked of you know Paul Dano looking and then Seth Rogen looking. And the, like the, there's like that hesitation between like when Benny kind of looks back at Bert and but Bert's kind of like 
doesn't really notice it. Yeah. Um, and kind of in the jittery movements that don't really coalesce with uh, Michelle Mitzi's kind of characterization there and like how she's acting doesn't really kind of feel because 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 of, of a blocking standpoint and well, because of an editing standpoint it works there it works there and i kind of like i think that's supposed to be the moment where you go like oh okay interesting this yeah. is that this is why it is yeah and i agree from a dot from what is being said by the characters doesn't doesn't work but what's being shown does mm. like I think See, this movie could almost be a silent film in a lot of parts, and it would still carry that emotion. See, but I just the same. I almost disagree a little bit because they kind of make it. So this is there's. I have a couple of one scene in particular, but I guess a couple of different scenes where maybe the whole thing where it almost seems like they're trying to make it seem like Mitzi is mentally ill, like that she's like like has is, is bipolar or something. I kind of got the sense that she is. But they don't really they commit to that at all. Well, you know, you know the what I mean? It just, it's like, oh, I'm in love, and then she goes and lives with Benny, and then she's fixed, well, as far as the movie is concerned. I think the reason for that is Michelle Williams is fucking awful in this movie. Mario, what's happening? Like, what, what is she doing? Yeah. I can't... I mean, like, everyone else is nailing it. I, well, not the... Not, Gina Berlin, but I think that's more like what she was told to do. Who is she? She's uh, Bert's mother. She's like too much of a caricature. Of oh, a dick. She, I that was that was tough for me. That she was reminded me too tough. much of Doris Roberts and Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah, who I wanted to punch in the face for thirteen years. It's not Gina Berlin's fault. She's doing no, what she's, she's told. Doing what she's but told to just do. Like, it's enough. It's like a joke thing that yeah. Spielberg's putting in there for some I fucking hateful reason. Yeah. Um, but Michelle Williams is fucking rough when. Seth Rogen is out acting you and showing like the romance of between the two of you. Like there's, there's a goddamn issue. And like, cause, and the thing about this is like Paul Dano's fucking nailing it. Gabriel LaBelle's fucking nailing it. I love it. Gabriel LaBelle. Oh no, I, I, I love, him. I love him in this too. Um, the, the, the older sisters. Julie like, Butters coming through. Which one's Julie? Julie Butters is the one with the glasses, but yeah. she was the little girl. She was the girl in, um, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That oh, wow. Leonardo DiCaprio had the conversation with she on got, the set of the Western. She got older looking very quickly. I think her. she was like... She's like 13, wow. Yeah, I think I thought, she was I like... Thought, I figured she was like 15 in this. No, she was like 10, I think, or 11. Or she was like 10 well, when she shot Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So like she was 12. Here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think they nail... I think they completely nail what they're supposed to do. I think Judd Hirsch is, is not great. I don't know why we're talking about him having like an Oscar I, I a, nominated I, thing I have a thought that. theory on that. But Michelle yeah. Williams is... There's some like, there's a couple shots like when the threshold shot where it's like okay that I hate, worked. I, I when she I see I disagree when she when her face changed there I was like turn that shit fucking off I was like you have to be there has to be a little more nuance here you know what I mean yeah, I mean I know I that he's see and I, that's the thing I think technically I, well, I think know it's supposed to be happening I don't know if it's supposed to I got the intention I got the intent I got the feeling that the intent there was because it was being shot through yes. the camera lens. Yep, exactly. That he was more noticing that, and it wasn't yes. necessarily what was happening. It was a callback to and that's why the lighting stuff. And that's why the lighting, like, obviously, because it's filmed in 8mm. Like, when it's back, it's that fucking Janice Kaminsky garbage. Yeah. But when it's through that, it's it's darker and more realistic and mm -hmm. more grounded. Yeah. It's um, it's a, it's a definite callback to the, to the camping stuff where he was, like, focusing a lot on, like, 
the the brief faces that like the way that her face would change very briefly when she was like in the arms of of, of Benny versus yeah. like, when she was doing anything else. That but fucking s- dance is awful too. Like every time they like showed her dancing, I was like, get the fuck so, back! Like the so two things, like everyone's reaction to it. I'll go to the dancing and then I'll go to the <coughs> Hirsch thing. The dance seemed weirdly too long for like not like a ton happening because it doesn't seem like anybody is learning anything in the context of that scene. Um, Bert is not is not noticing the Benny thing. Um, Sam is not noticing the the Benny is not noticing Benny either. Because Bert's not registering anything, none of the kids are registering like anything is weird with their dad. Everyone's just kind of like, "This is great." The, the one, no, the one. I think the one girl she's just trying to preserve, to but she's almost trying to like preserve her purity. It's not because of do we, Benny. Do we, do we think? Because I kind of got the sense that she's like knows something's wrong. No, because later in the movie, they don't know what's wrong. They're just kind of like, oh, you and mom, blah, blah, blah. So, but that scene seems to go on way too long for like not, we're not learning anything. Especially, have you watched Wednesday at all? I assume A little bit. Like, Jenna Ortega has a dance, like a long dance scene I did not see that that one. And like, that nails like a ton of character at once of like the respect for her parents, her weirdness, but still like vulnerability. And like, like that's a long dance. And mm-hmm. this is a long dance. And, like, this is from it's her. Just, and, just, like, Jenna like, Ortega, who's yeah. 20, is, well, like, like, nailing she's that. Just, she's, she's having trying. a fucking crazy year. She me. is. I'm, I'm not sure I buy her as Wednesday. Um, not necessarily. She yet. seems too... She just seems too put together. And, like, it's, not... She seems de- Riverdale-ish. Like, it's Sabrina the Teenage... Uh, yeah, I, there's something... I, I, just I don't know if that's more of a show problem. Am or? I saying she's too good... Like to be Wednesday, and which is not to say that Christina Ricci wasn't good, but like, I don't know. She's not more rough around the edges. She's not the New Yorker character. Yeah, she Mm. seems too perfect. Yeah, she's not really a human at times. Mm. Like the decision to never blink except like a couple times is like a little too. She actually doesn't even really seem like a character. It almost seems like she's like inhabiting like a life force, and I'm just like, this is like supposed to be like a. I don't know. This is not supposed to be so serious. But yeah, it's family very are, serious. Our normal, just really weird. Right. But anyway, to go back to the thing. So that scene goes on way too long and we don't learn anything about anything. But for some reason, like this Judd Hirsch scene, it's just like, bah, 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 and then he leaves. He just like throws zingers and then like, and then, you know, and then he goes. You know he is. He's the, uh, oh man, serious man. The, uh, the demon. That oh, comes. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what... Is that, is that the intent of what he's supposed to be? I don't know. If it were... I don't... I don't know. I, tend, I, I don't think I Steven Spielberg no. is clever enough to have done that. Yeah. Um, From a scripting standpoint. But I think the stuff that he's saying in the arc of that of that conversation, I think is really well done. And I think he's... I think Judd Hirsch has got some great physical stuff that's happening in there. It's a good performance. I just but don't think, I don't know why we're talking about Oscar and I think if it was, if the, I think if it, the scene was three minutes longer with some pauses and some heaviness and some weight to it, I would be like, I could feel this, but it's like, it's, he's here. Don't, don't let him in. Da-da-da-da. Has dinner, goes to his room, cries, tells him to rip his clothes, go to sleep, leaves. It's like five minutes 
minutes, or not even five minutes, like four minutes, like whatever it is. I don't know. I'm sorry, someone's counted it. It's like twelve minutes, eight minutes. Yeah. Um, but it's it's the way that that conversation goes, which is the most important conversation in the movie. Which I kind of want to go to, like the thing that I like best about the movie is, which is the opposite of like what you feel is like this this conversation, like this conversation about about art and, and family and like how that works and stuff like that. But it just happens way too fucking fast, and I'm not sure why Spielberg kind of like decided that was the speed he wanted to go at. Maybe just because that was the speed that Judge Hirsch was delivering the lines and like in the moment it felt powerful. But I think I thought it would have been more resonant if it um if it was blocked differently and it was staged like the conversation was blocked differently. It was staged differently. You know what um, it needed to match it's cause that the two scenes there's two scenes I think in this movie that are they're extremely pivotal for the standpoint of film and life, mm-hmm. right? And that is the scene with uh, Sammy and Judd Hirsch, yep. the, the, the Boris. Yeah, Boris, um, yeah. And the scene, which is my favorite scene, it, with Logan. Yeah, for and sure. Sammy. Absolutely. Because like, it is one saying, like, you put yourself in danger, blah, 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 but you completely eliminate yourself from life entirely, mm-hmm. versus like a reframing of, like, oh, you still like put yourself in, in the danger, into the lion's head. But like this could also be a way in which you conceptualize life, mm-hmm. and it's like this isn't necess- this you know like which Logan creates says, this distance, isn't life. Though. It creates distance, right. but it still keeps you within. It doesn't mean you abandon everything, right? Right, which is like which is followed through with the idea that like he would kind of grapple with some of the issues. Other really good short art. performance, that Sam Reckner performance. Yeah, he's pretty Logan. good. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the, I, I wasn't sure about it like early, and then when he started like losing his shit, I was kind of like, oh yeah, he's selling yeah, this. Although sense, he yeah. didn't say, he didn't say, and this is a Tony Kushner thing again. I'm not sure what his problem is. Like they didn't have Sam say the thing that I wanted him to say, which is I made you the hero. Logan. No, I was no, like, Sam, 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 Sam said to it. Logan. I wanted him to say, I made you the hero, but he kept saying all these other <coughs> stupid things about like what he was doing. And it's like, no, but you did. You made him the hero because like that's how you're thinking creatively. And so well, I, thought, is, I thought he was telling him that by that's saying what he was like that's him. that's how the movie yeah, just yeah. ended itself. But I would this is like a criticism. Then I want to talk a little bit about movie making. Sam makes movies. Sam doesn't watch movies. Like, we see him watch one movie. Two movies. Which is the second Man one. Man That Shot Liberty Bounce. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he sees two movies through the whole movie. And I think this is kind of like a failing of the movie, which is that it's... I do... I don't... I actually don't care about just... I need his... The, I need the idea of his parents splitting apart and him... Um, becoming like a film person to be more like um, inextricable. Well, you know what I... It seems like there's two separate tracks that sometimes cross when the conversation at the dinner table requires them to, and then they come apart again. You know why I like that, though? Because the kind of point of the movie... The thing I like is like Boris tells him like you're either, uh, you know, you're creative or you're you're not. Mm -hmm. But Sammy's both of his parents. Mm -hmm. He... He, Absolutely. Because of the fact that, like, he he's so into the technical aspect of it. And, like, there's so much focus on, like, not besides, like, even the pinholes that, like, Bert says, like, hey, like, oh, you're figuring out the engineer. But, like, the using, obviously, obviously, everyone uses the balloons when they're making stupid yeah. movies for that. But, like, the using the wood it's like, for the steps as Loved the bombs. It. Like, he is an engineer mm-hmm. and a creator. Mm-hmm. And... 
the there's more some of the shots of his films, and like I think I, I want to say that this is an intentional at the end, but I don't think it is um, because it's probably just my personal prejudice coming in there, which we'll get into in the sight and sound thing. Um, <laughs> like, I'll, like the shots that Spielberg does in these in this film, you know, aren't like focused so like so heavily. It doesn't feel like in Rule of Thirds, like they are, but like it focuses more on kind of like these more technical aspects of it. And Sammy's filmmaking is more attached to the technical aspects. We, we get the assumption that he's watching movies. Because you know, he has one conversation with Boris about watching movies. Yeah. But, like, um, it just it doesn't seem like it's a huge part of his but it's, life. But it's the editing of the film that, like, plays a more important... The editing and the special effects of the film that play a more pivotal role in, like, than the shot composition and the vistas and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It is the taking something raw that's, like, you create in your head and then figuring out the way to make that from your head into, despite limitations, into what you need it to be. Mm-hmm. And that's why most of this movie isn't him shooting movies. Like, he's got the camera a lot of times, but a lot of focus, the more important things, is how he edits those movies and how he puts that together. So, I mean, but so are you saying, <coughs> and are you saying that it's the editing, he's focusing on the edit, and maybe you're not saying this, but maybe I'm just kind of like thinking as you're talking, he's focusing on the editing because like, it's that stupid thing which I hate, which is like a filmmaker kind of looking back at his past and then kind of like editing his past to kind of like fit it together. No, I, I think I think it's he creates a vision in his head of what he wants it to be, right? Is and he then doing that to see, his parents' marriage too, though? I, I didn't get that intent. So I, just, I, I, got, I got the intent. I got the intent. Um, I, I think there's some narrative strikes there of him doing that, like obviously reconceptualizing how he saw his mother and all that. And mm-hmm. I think that's more a narrative thing. But I took the, from at least the way I, I came away from it, um, and once again, maybe this is prejudice, because um, I took it as, as the editing focusing on, like, the raw vision. Like, he's having a hard time showing the storyboards and going, like, yeah, this is supposed to do this. And, yeah. and like, he can't really ever explain it to people. He kind of, like, has to, like, use personal experience to explain it. Um, but when editing it together is like when it comes, mm. like when that vision comes together, or when he kind of see, you know, when you look at the raw footage, kind of sees it, and then can kind of conceptualize that, yeah, in a way. And I, I don't think that's. I think it could be looked at multiple different ways from mm-hmm. that. But I, I got it as more like the problem solving, no, figuring, think, you know, the, making something work that didn't work. I think that's fair. I think the, I think the thing that I find, not that I have a problem with that so much is that and that could be and that it sounds like a little bit that sounds right I just think it's interesting and illustrative of the fact that I think the fact that Michelle Williams has decided she's running for like there's a case for that she could be a lead actress is kind of one of the the problems of the movie like I just I think there's too much of them like I think I want to see more of Sammy trying to process what is happening than specifically explicitly what is happening you know, what I mean, I thought that I thought him finding out about his mom and Benny through film was better and more enlightening than anything that was actually happening between like Benny and Bert or Bert and Mitzi or Mitzi and Benny. Well, I think you know I, what I mean. I, I do think this is like a continuous problem that Steven Spielberg's had throughout all of his films, in that he kind of like will direct a particular actor to like do something dramatic and. Either that actor kind of goes like, okay, I'll do that thing and I'll commit to that. 
or like I kind of know what I should be doing because like Danos and um, Rogan and the sisters and, you know, Sam Reichner and all that are acting in a way to support Gabriel LaBelle. It's all there to build up Gabriel LaBelle's performance. When Michelle Williams and Gabriel LaBelle are together, like it's just fucking clashing because mm. like that's because because she's trying to be like the point of focus. And maybe she's doing that because she's being directed by Steven Spielberg to, to do that. Whereas, like, Dano's like, oh, I know what to do. Yeah. You know? Um, because, like, I, like with Dennis, not Dennis Field, no way, with uh, Dennis Sin in France, with uh, Blue Valentine, mm. like, she does a perfect job of being minimalist and, like, she's just playing off of each other, right. off of Gosling. Um, she's I don't a, think it's her fault. I, I, no, I, no, I no. think it's kind of her fault because to not be, like, to kind of realize what I, she should be doing. Yeah. Because I think all this movie should be about building, like, Letting Gabriel LaBelle be your uh, centrifuge, be your right. I think it's a miss. I think it's a miss for Michelle Williams, and it's unfortunate because she is like, if not like my favorite, like working actress, like one of my favorite. Like I can count on her and yeah, I rely on her to. But she, it, this is a big. This for me was a big miss. Um, I just think that. So the first, anytime anyone opened their mouth in the first, what about Crystal? She's great. Okay. Fantastic. It was a lot of fun. You didn't, you don't, but you eat those cherries. I wanted to feel like more cherry eating. Yeah. A little yeah. more, like, I was so focused um, on eating cherries. It's a monkey, by the way, if you haven't seen this movie yet. I, um, well, that's the monkey. Yeah. The monkey is very good. <laughs> um, I think, two I things. Think Spielberg just likes monkeys. I think so too. And I guess, you know, they had one that's like real, whatever. Um, I guess it introduces like an interesting kind of like some a conversation piece. Um, is what it is um, I think I love this anytime so you're right about the first like 10-20 minutes of the movie anytime anyone opens their mouth in the first 10-20 minutes of the movie I want to throw up because it's just so obvious and expository like Michelle Williams being like huh, he's he crashing it and I was like fuck you yeah. man like I almost said it out loud except for the fact that I was like sitting next to my family I will say like Matteo, and there's a bunch of people the, the kid the, the young he's Sammy fine. does a good job of, again like the best part of the beginning of the movie is the idea that he is that Spielberg is kind of bringing up by showing us on this big screen in this like on, with modern technology um, the train crash and the greatest show on earth which is clearly made with toys and then he takes those toys and then he makes another train crash. But I don't think the young Spielberg, when he was watching that, is like, that's made with toys. I'm going to get toys. And then we're going to make the same thing. You think so? Because like, I, th- I don't think he did. Well, did, you ever, did you ever go through a big filmmaking phase? Like, yeah. I still wish I could. Like, I still would like, it's not a passion of mine. Uh-huh. But like, creation is a passion of mine. Like, you know, getting things out of my head and yeah. trying to figure out a way to get it done. I don't do it. Um, so it's not something I'd want to ever do as a career because, like, of the bullshit that comes with it. Mm-hmm. But, like, if so, if I had if I had won the $2 billion or whatever in that lottery, didn't play, but had I done that, I would 100% just make movies for the rest of my life. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, but I don't, I don't think that the kid was acknowledging that. I think what I liked about it was this kind of meta-textual oh, acknowledgement okay. from Spielberg of these layers of filmmaking. You know what I mean? They're using toys. I was using toys as a kid. To make this scene in modern times, I'm going to use these toys. And to give him more credit, because I think he does deserve like a bunch of credit for this, 
You know what I hate? Ha- when you know what I hate in movies? When people are making movies, when you see people making movies, and then you see the movie that they're making. I mean, characters in movies make movies. And you see the movie that they made, and they're getting shots that like they couldn't have gotten. Mm. You know what I mean? And there weren't. There wasn't even a camera there. Every time they show a film that he made, it is. You can see where he got the shot from. You see the scene, him getting that angle. Oh, yeah. And I'm just like, that's fucking great. Yeah, because there's parts in that, um, like, there's parts in that bleach banquet montage where, like, what, what's he making here? Yeah. Like, it's, and, like, when he drops the yogurt in people's faces, I'm like, what? But there is that shot of, like, him pointing up at the birds, and yep. then it's perfectly intercut. And, it, and I think that is... That I is, do like the improvement in his filmmaking ability. As no, it goes oh, yeah. On too. yeah. But no, like the... And it's fun to see, like... Yeah, the ways in which they improvise the things, like with the shopping cart and mm-hmm. the, the wooden planks on the dolly. And, like, you look at it, and you're like, I could see how this could look, and I hope it doesn't go big. And then it goes back, and you're like, oh, it's not big. Well, I think you know? my kid's favorite scene was the World War II scene, because they loved seeing all those the best movies. They saw all the tricks. It. They they just they loved watching like those tricks and then seeing the film and like how they did it. And like both of my kids really liked this movie. Um, you know, it's it's like, I don't want to say it's like adult for them. There's just like a lot of like adult things going on with like marriages breaking up and stuff like that. So like for the rest of the day, I kept threatening to like divorce my wife <laughs> just to, um, just for various things. Um, but he's he's he he's an excellent uh, he's an excellent filmmaker. Yeah, he's a, he's a great visual storyteller. I mean, like he's a problem. He's 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 his father's son in the way of like yeah. you could see like through his other movies how he figures out ways to do things. But you can also see in his other movies how he finds ways to avoid really hammering down on the emotions that are inherent in some of these movies so i think someone i forget who said it i was on a new podcast and they were someone was criticizing no it was that inside the actor's studio about have you seen the clip of inside the actor's studio where like james lipton explains like the metaphors in like close encounters to steven spielberg and he's like i didn't even realize that that was happening like the engineer and like the musician thing um kind of coming together in like these aliens um but the idea, too, that, like, and I forget who said it. Oh, maybe it was an Adam Naiman review of it. It was like, oh, he doesn't do metaphors anymore. He's just doing, like, this movie, he did, he, he worked on this material, this exact material, this exact story for 50 years. You know what I mean? Every movie he's made has contained some aspect of him trying to wrestle with, like, what happened to him as a kid and what his parents went through and what his parents put him through and blah, blah, blah. And now he's just kind of making that. He's just like showing it. There's no metaphors anymore. It's just like this is what happened, and it left me like. See, I like that. Like film. a little some, cold. Sometimes I just I like a film that is just like so forward facing. I'm a slasher fan, so yeah. I like I I like and an action fan. I like movies that are I I I think it's I think I prefer for the most part the technical merit of film. Mm-hmm. More than I prefer what a film's trying to say. If mm. I want to see subtext and metaphor and and see deep, deeper into the mind of something, I'm going to read a goddamn book. Mm. I'm not going to watch a movie. But movies can do it. They can do No, absolutely they can do it. Uh, I just I, I just don't have as much of a problem. I, if, if something is so masterfully done visually mm-hmm. and technically, those emotions, even they might be surface level, will work for me. Mm-hmm. 
Um, as long as they're not cluttered by dumb fucking jokes. <laughs> Daniels. Um, You're so mad about that. Because I keep hearing more and more about that bullshit. Oh, it's, it's, I'm, we'll talk about it like in several weeks, but it's, it's coming, my friend. No, I know. It's not going to be on my worst list, obviously, but. Uh, no, but I'm, it's not going to be on my anything list, but, you know, I'm saying that. like one thing. It's winning is. Best Picture. Yeah, I think so. Um, but who cares? It's fucking Oscars. The things that matter but are be, the Pivotal Film Awards. It will, they do, but it'll, it, we always talk about this fucking shit. It'll be nice for movies that that kind of movie can, like, get recognition. You know what but I mean? other people try to make that movie. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that's already coming. Last thing I want to do, and I think, do you have anything else to say about this? Because I want to transition. Uh, the only thing I'll say yeah. is that I liked it. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed myself at it. I wish. I just want. I wish it had hit me harder. Yeah, and I, I, I didn't. That's it. Really emotionally hit me, except it made me really like want to make movies mm. again. And from a, for me, the funnest, the most fun part of making a film is like having something in my head. Or writing or whatnot. I just don't do this because I get fucking lazy and then like anxious or whatnot. Isn't like the, oh, I'm a creative and this is what I'm trying to do. No, the most fun part for me is like going like, this is what's in my head. I don't really give a shit about like what I'm trying to like say. Like I want this shot. This person I want to see shot. this. Yeah, yeah. I want to see this because like this is visually what right. I see. It's, you know, you know where the camera's going to be positioned how I'm technically going to make that work. Mm -hmm. But then like most of it is like, how the fuck am I going to edit it into like making it what I want to be? And like, that's what emotionally struck the chord for me is like the watching the parts that go like, Oh, I remember like doing those types of things and like having somebody shoot movie for me and like they shot their feet and like sitting there in Adobe premiere pro for like an hour. Yeah. Like how do I get the frame I want and get rid of the goddamn feet? Mm-hmm. And that's why okay, I'm done. Yep. Tra- Does it the transition now? I want to have in the last moment because we're going to move into sight and sound. I like that last scene where he goes to talk to the fucking greatest living filmmaker, David Lynch. David Lynch is a great director. <laughs> David Lynch is a tremendous director, but David Lynch is playing John Ford. Do you think John Ford was just David Lynch? That would be very Lynchian, wouldn't it? If David Lynch was somehow a reincarnated version of John Ford, who was just David Lynch. <laughs> oh, they were alive at the same time. I guess that's true, yeah. Although, some people have reincarnation beliefs that that doesn't matter, because whatever. Um, but, like, you know, you know, John Ford, chewing on his cigar, even though, like, he was more chewing on his handkerchief type of person, like, goes, like, yells at him and says, like, look at that, what's the horizon, what's the horizon, blah, blah, blah. And, mm-hmm. Like, if it's in the top... Horizons in the top, it's interesting. If it's in the bottom, it's interesting. If it's in the middle, it's not interesting. Mm-hmm. Walks out, you know, into that kind of very fake. Sammy <laughs> walks out to that very fake looking set, obviously, like kind uh-huh. of filtered, but the camera's first in the middle, you know? Yeah. And there is a disappearing center line. And I looked at that going, like, it looks like the setting and all that looks a little fake. Um, but like, I like, it's visually interesting. And then the camera moves up yeah. to put it in the bottom and to put the horizon in the top. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at it going like, there's nothing in the top of the horizon that's interesting to look at. Like the most interesting thing was the bottom. Mm-hmm. Like, and if I had, but if you'd moved in the bottom, it's not as interesting either. It makes the shot worse, I think, well, to it's a, move it's, it like that. It's just a joke. I know. I know it's supposed to be a joke. No, I know you know that, but like, but that, do we think it's like just 
also just to, like take he's obviously taking advice, but is he also is he trying to suggest like these rules don't necessarily need to be abided by. Just find what works for you when you get it. It doesn't yeah, listen to people and whatnot. Listen to the your predecessors. Yeah. But like Here's these evolve my, and change. My problem with the Because that is a more interesting shot when it's in the center, right? Well, I guess so. My problem with the whole last sequence, even though it was super funny. Dave looks that, great in that, by the way. Oh, he's great in it. My problem with the scene, though, is. better than that giant piece of shit that was John Ford. It has nothing to do with, again. Anything. It's, it's, it has to do only with filmmaking. It doesn't have to do anything with anything else that happened in the movie. Yeah, it and only I has to like do with that beginning 10 minutes. It's writing, that beginning 10 minutes. The, Those are, it's bookends, right? right? But this is, a, this is the problem with this movie is that I don't, and I get it, Tony Kushner has to be better than this. So there must be just stuff somewhere on the cutting room floor or whatever. Did you see Angels of America? I did. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a magisterially complex like piece of, of theater like i don't I just, get it i don't like it i don't know <laughs> I, I don't even i couldn't even tell you if i liked it or didn't like it it's just beyond me to kind of know and understand what the hell is happening in that movie or what he's going for like the depth of it like emotionally whatever you can't just have you can't spend a whole movie talking about how a kid is going to record and the scene before it like be with his dad, like seeing a picture and like having an emotional conversation about family and like expectations and all this other stuff. So filmmaking is not just for them. Filmmaking is not just about making films. Filmmaking is about like the way that their family unit, you know, um, functions. You know what I mean? I, you know, he even says, maybe I should have been harder on you before, you know, this got on the thing, but why is going to leave school? Um, but it's just about filmmaking. It can't be just about filmmaking. You have to have something in the script that ties all of these emotions together. And it, it just I think have to. And I think that's, I think for me it works in the sense of that actual middle, like besides, well, besides the bookends, the actual meat of the film mm-hmm. for me worked because I thought visually and from an editing standpoint, um, who's this edited by, by the way? Oh, Michael Kahn, obviously. Uh, Maybe this is actually a love story to Michael Kahn. <laughs> He's going to leave Cape Catshaw for Michael Kahn. That'd be That'd cool. be a good last second thing. It'd be very progressive. For, while I was watching it, I was like, I was kind of wondering, like, is this a movie for Steven Spielberg to justify cheating on his wife with Cape Catshaw? Because <laughs> that would have been fucking awesome. <laughs> to be like, I'm a creative... And it would be especially better if, like, in the end, he's like, by the way, I'm now asleep with Michelle Williams. What would have been cool was, no, no. What, what <laughs> no, it ends cool. with, like, a, instead of that ending, it just shows shots of him and Michelle Williams making the movie together. It would have been awesome. And it's like, oh, God, no. No, it was about Kate Capshaw leaving him for Seth Rogen. That would have been hella That was the movie about. No, but I, I think it works for me because from a visual standpoint, um, and from an editing standpoint, from, like, the way some of the, like, the way the actors are do their performances... Um, are blocked like that emotion comes through it's very plain and very easy like I am going to deal with life not by avoiding it and sticking to just art I'm going to deal with it through the lens of art mm-hmm. and through the lens of cinema and film um, I think those two bookends just are there as sure fun I, 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 kitschy I, I think you're right um, I just I think a, a I think a movie that matters more um, finds a way to keep hitting, you know, finds a way to have a funny ending with David Lynch's John Ford and have it mean something. Yeah. But, you know who loves films? 
Um, the British? The, the, well, <laughs> the British. The British Film Institute. National Lottery. Uh, and this year is, um, you know, every 10 years uh, between August and now December. Why it took, I think this was released a couple months earlier, but Godard dying made them push it off we'll because it was supposed to be released in October. Um, every ten years, they've been. It started out as like 163 directors and the two or uh, critics mm-hmm. in um, 2002. It went up to 820 ish in 2012. It is now open to 1600 critics this year. We're gonna talk about that too. Um, you know, as they get bigger and more inclusive, uh, it, on we are doing this in two parts. The first part is going to be kind of our feelings and predictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we each have five predictions, and I have a wild card prediction. Um, I don't know if you did your wild card prediction. I didn't know like, we're supposed cr- to have cr- a wild card prediction. Well, I, I, I texted you about that. I just did like a. Cr- I just did a wild card, which is just something I'm not confident in. Um, I mean, I kind of do have a wild card, like question, like you know, is like, but so I have six things. Okay, so yeah, I also have six things. Um, and then in two days, when the thing, when it's actually released, we are going we'll to over zoom and, and reflect yeah. and then obviously probably do some other discussing of it. We'll see. Um, let's, uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll get to our, uh, our five little predictions here. Yeah. All right, Mario. So who do you want to, who wants to go first? Well, I don't know. I, I, let me start with my my wild card because we both actually approach these lists differently. Um, mm. And I'll say the way I approach this is I did uh, one wild card, which I kind of discussed. He was like, "Oh, it'd be fun if we did like a wild card." One thing we're not sure of at all, and that's kind of just like our crazy <clears throat> prediction. Mm-hmm. And then five things that, with increasing levels of confidence, I felt I could make a prediction on. Okay. Um, and I I think you went about different. I'll let you explain when you when you go mm-hmm. yours. So my wild card. And the way I framed this was from the fact that every decade we're increasing in inclusion. And the last time we had this on the list, uh, the list came out with the 800 directors, uh, 800 critics. critics. That's what I want. That's what <laughs> yeah. it's the thing. Um, there was a lot of discussion of the exclusionary aspect of this list. Yep. My wildcard prediction, yep. G.N. Delman is in the top 10. Oh, 100%. Oh, you think, oh, that doesn't seem like a wild card? No, not at all. Yeah, I think Gian Delman, there's a top 10. I think Bar, Barda gets in the top 50 Well, you're probably. kind of, you're talking, so she's, so you're bringing up one of my things. Because I was, I was, I was thinking Gian Delman is almost certainly top 20. But I'm like, I think she gets in the top 10. I, so, we'll just, we'll kind of skip around. So you kind of talk, my, I didn't rank them really. Um, by, I just kind of she, I do them. mean, I do mean uh, Chantel Ackerman. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the fictional yeah. prostitute. Maybe Jean Dielman will just be like the character. Um, I had that on my list too. The and so it's your <coughs> wild card, but it was like on my list of things. Um, um, women filmmakers are going to be like not just represented, but like make a major impact on here. So I do think Jean Dielman cracked the top ten. I do think Varda makes the list this year. I do think that Beautreville climbs into the top fifty, like. Easily, um, yeah, be, could there be other stuff? Because Beautreville, Beautreville is seventy-eight. Oh, seventy-eight, right? It's not one of the ninety-threes. Um, I think it climbs 20, 30 spots. Yeah, like without really kind of thinking about it, I think that's like a thing that's gonna happen. Um, I think the question would be, 
does something... I think the question we're going to have, Mario, with this kind of... I don't want to sound like we're on Fox News or one of those blogs that's really just kind of like a front for... Like a culture blog that's just like a front for like Republican politics. I wonder if some of these, like... Is there over over representation? Exactly. Does it Ava do? Does Selma somehow like show up? I I hope not. I fucking hope not, Mario. Selma's a fine movie. Because the reason the reason not one of the hundred greatest movies of all time. I do feel as though, and it's kind of like will tie into my two and one. um, I do feel as though there is going to be a significant shift because there's been a huge shift in the way criticism works in the past ten years, uh, due to kind of the explosion of. Of social media in the sense of discussing the arts. Mm-hmm. 2012, we had Twitter and whatnot. Um, 2022, we barely have Twitter, I guess. Uh, but it's still there. There was kind of like this exclusionary aspect um, it's trying of to the be- arts and like oh, less of an like ongoing, constant discussion. It was in message boards and whatnot, but it wasn't so pervasive. Mm. And I do think it's pervasive now. However, I do think there's a large enough body with increasing it to 1600 that I do feel there's going to be people who are like, okay, this is the one I'm going to go for. Mm-hmm. Like this is the big one. And I don't think they're going to be like, I can't exclude the nine films I love or the eight films I love. Did you for read, this. did you read that list? There's going to be a couple people that do it, but I think yeah. because of it being 1600 critics, I do. I don't think it's has prominent. Did you read that guy's list on air during the last segment? That you did, right? I think you did. What was that guy's name? I read the the ballot. But I didn't, I didn't read the list. I, I it's gonna it would take me a while to find. No, it. no, the 2012. The guy that voted in 2012 that voted for Alien and. Oh yeah, I, I think I read. I that think you did too. On, on air. I'm imagining where we're gonna have a lot of these ballots when we take a look at them. We're gonna have like six or seven uh, classics, and then three or four like totally fucking out there things. Does Moonlight make this list, Mario? It's possible. That's, you know that's I mean? possible. Does Twelve Years a Slave make the list? It's poss- possible. I, these are th- these are. We'll tie into a a a uh, thing I have. I have a, another question. Do your number five, and then I'll do my number five. So my number five, um, for films uh, from this last list uh, from twenty twelve well, from t- two thousand three to two thousand or from basically from two thousand two to two thousand twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, no movie shows up. Mm-hmm. Correct. Uh, the most recent movies, Mulholland Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, however, one film almost made the list. And there's a lot of talk about, like, will this movie... A lot of people feel this movie's going like, to kind of drop off. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think Tree of Life is top 50. Interesting. That's really interesting. I think there has been enough revisiting of this film, especially over the past two to three years, and yep. talking about how it's Malick's like, kind of like masterwork and his most approachable, but also his most human, that I... Th- I feel as though it's one of those things that's kind of influenced by the discussion mm-hmm. of the time, of, of modern time, that I think enough people are going to see it and be like, you know what, of a modern film, it'll tie into my number four, of a modern film, this is the one I could definitively say is like that weird classic that kind of visually makes sense. It's yeah. edited in a strange way. It's It, it tells a... Um, it tells like a very simple story in a very unique sort of way while also still being very approachable. Mm-hmm. And I think that that kind of like social media constant discussion that's now going on from everybody will influence the fact that that Tree of Life does 
That's awesome. Yeah. It's one of those things where I'm surprised he doesn't actually have a movie on um, this list, even just for like an aesthetic purposes. Like I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Days of Heaven isn't on here, but Barry Lyndon is. I don't think Malik even. 2012 list. If I, if I'm, quick look, I don't think Malik even has one on the director's poll either. Which is fascinating. He does Badlands, at least. Oh, in, yeah, and yeah. Like quick look, so. Yeah. Um, so my number five, you know, I guess all of these tie together because if one thing happens and, like, something else has to happen, there is, like, a cause and effect, like, aspect to, like, making a list like this. Like, stuff, nothing is, nothing is, uh set in, in stone here like everything's like malleable and can move around so i think one of the things that i'm looking forward to because i find his movies to be just insanely boring um and I'm, but i do understand from personal experience that this guy's films do make an impression on people i think we say so long to the two edward yang films that are on this list in yee yee and A Brighter Summer Day, which I think was something that happened in, like, the 2000s. Like, people freaked the fuck out about Edward Yang, and people are just kind of like, eh. I don't even know. You haven't seen either of those movies? So I, the, so. I heard of Yee Yee because a girl that I was dating back in the day was like, this is my favorite movie, and I, she made me watch it. And me, who was like, wants to see stuff that I've never heard of, was just like, I, this movie can't stop fast enough. This movie cannot get over fast enough, and it could because it's so boring. This doesn't mean it's not technically, you know. Ice, what? Where is this movie? E Y E Y E. Yeah. On the list. It's tied for ninety three, and oh, a brighter summer day is tied for eighty four. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen either of these. Uh, but he's a, he's one of the directors that has two movies on on this on the two thousand twelve list. I think he <coughs> has. Zero movies on this new list. Yeah, was it was it just like how like how soon afterwards he had died? I, I think it's list? I and think, like people were like trying to like I think they're honor him beloved films, but I also don't think that they are representative of. Um, I've heard Taipei story, but like yeah. these movies, I don't fucking know. It's interesting. I think that's and I think that's kind of speaks to what I think. I think this will be a more egalitarian, um, modern list than even the 2012 list, which seemed very staid. You know what I mean? And very kind of... I wouldn't be surprised if there was... I don't... You'd probably... You could dig into this, like, more when you do your spreadsheet. I bet the 2002 list and the 2012 list are not wholly dissimilar in the movies that are on them. There's not a lot of shifting around. However, you do say it's more modern, right? And that ties really heavily into my number four. Oh, good. And that I think from 2012 onwards, mm -hmm. there is going to be exactly one movie that makes the top one. Do you have an idea of what that movie is? I believe it's going to be Parasite. I have that on my list, too. Yeah, I think Parasite what? is the only film uh, from 2012 onward that makes this list. Yeah. A lot of people are thinking Get Out does. Get Out's too fucking American for a global... I, I think don't know. I think it's such a, but I think it's such a global critics audience and a lot of people that probably don't necessarily respond as much to it. I mean, and no, get out is what I consider like the perfect movie from two, like from a technical standpoint, yeah. when we did our top 20 mm -hmm. from the first two decades, I still stand by that. Mm -hmm. I think technically it's perfect. I think it um, is perfect. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those banshees of Innersion. I mean, I think it's, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's, got a, a, it's, got, it's, it's a more perfect movie because it's that. a, because it's a horror movie. It has, it's, Typical horror 
flaws, so to speak, where like but those are all intentional. things are too perfect. Exactly. Yeah. It's, part um, of, it's part of the trope. It, it is what it is. But I just don't think there's enough of a global response to something like Get Out for it to explode. And I think Parasite is the only film that has this sort of global dialogue mm-hmm. that was very, very important to global cinema mm-hmm. and kind of becoming big. See, but I have a question. Um, I don't, and I, but don't, I think it's the only one that makes it. I don't mean to interrupt you. These people, I do think it makes it high. So too. that's so I think it makes like the I, I think have, it makes like the top sixty. I have a question top 70. based on this. Everything you're saying, not a prediction of mine. But. You people, not you people, like you have a vote. The critics that vote have ten spots. Which one are they most likely to put in their ten spots? Though I almost feel like Get Out is more. I feel like they feel better about putting Get Out there than they do. Parasite. No, I, I, the reason I say Parasite is I feel I, as though that 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 aspect of class struggle is, is more, is more is global, more universal, yeah. more, universal more globally um, specific, more uni- more timeless. Yep. Um, than kind of the liberal, perfect racist. We're doing black we're doing really awesome in terms of like. Influencing our next that's questions. Number, that's why my number three sucks. But we're doing really influencing our next questions, like one end to the other, to that exact point. Because I had does something contemporary get on this list, and I like exp- expanded contemporary to not just mean like the year that it was made, but like the kind of film that it is. Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> yeah. Um, There's somebody made any a prediction Zack that Snyder that movie's movie. gonna be in the top two fifty. Who said that? I forget what it was. No, um, no critic is doing. It. I mean, Armand White only has one vote. <laughs> So, I mean... But does he put it 10 times? I guess it's true. He just gets the girl puts it. Does, does Brittany St. Ellis get an opinion this year? He wouldn't vote for that. That's he true. fucking hates those movies. Um, he would vote for all Republican, like a Dinesh D'Souza movie. And it would be based on aesthetics, not because he agrees 2, with 2,000 mules yeah, yeah, yeah. 10 times. Exactly. Um, does something... Do the Coen brothers show up here at all? Does Quentin Tarantino finally show up on one of these lists? I don't think Tarantino does. Um, does P- and, and the th- third one that we, we touched on a little bit in the break was, does PTA show up? Do these three guys, these contemporary filmmakers, <coughs> representative of a certain era of film, show up on American movies, but also kind of like world cinema and, and the way that it's influenced people, show up on anybody's I do, list? I do think there will be blood gets it. You think it does? It. I do have that that sense that there will be blood makes it, um, because it's once again kind of the most approachable of his films from like a visual music standpoint. Um, it's like the most it's, worthy, I think, in terms like there's of like still people talking about like the Golden Rule aspect of like some of the shots where he's just focusing on the oil thing. And it's oh, like, it's fantastic! It's also nonsense. I don't know if he's intent. He's not intentionally doing Golden Rule shit with that. And if he is, like, come on, fucking don't. Golden mean golden curve or whatever what's it called golden bow no the, like the golden circle thing uh-huh. the perfect it's like the golden ratio perfect circle golden ratio at the kind of like twisting should thing. I drop in a Meridinum's clip right here <laughs> <laughs> but like I think from a technical standpoint it's the most kind of like perfect Pete Pal- yeah. Thomas Anderson move I need to like electrify myself every time I say PTA that would be a nice twist to the <laughs> podcast we've started electric shocking Mario I will I will (laughs) see if I can create something that can do that when he comes out with his next movie in like 2024 Um, or just die on camera (laughs) Uh, yeah uh, I I don't I 
don't think the Coens do because I think the Coens are too... I think the Coens thing is is too script heavy and too dialogue heavy, and I don't know how well that trans how well that comedy will translate mm. globally, or how much that wordplay translates. Globally. I'm just surprised Fargo hasn't like crept in. I mean, I, you, maybe it has, maybe it's closer than I think it is. But like Fargo seems to be like the one movie that is seems universally accepted as like you know a masterpiece and has the visual qualities to it that are and aesthetic qualities to it that are. Um, and emotional qualities to it that are kind of... Um... Yeah, see, and that's the thing. So on the director's poll, Fargo's 132. Okay, gotcha. On the critic's poll, yep. 447. That's fascinating. And I do, because I think it's... And all three of these guys are either British or American. Mm. And I just I just don't think the Coen's I think you're work. right, yeah. Like, True Grit would be, I think, the most likely Coen Brothers movie to make the I think it's just fast. I mean, I think for... For a lot of reasons, and it won't. I'm the, just saying. Yeah, the idea that oh, so I would argue if it was going to be one of those movies, or No Country for Old Men. See, I actually think what was I thinking? I was just thinking something else. I don't fucking remember. It doesn't matter. I'm surprised Pulp Fiction's not on this list. I mean, it literally changed like world cinema for like you know the the, the 15 years that followed it. Um, everyone just both in America and outside of America were just trying to make versions of Pulp Fiction. Maybe. The critics resent it's, that it, on Pul- a certain Pulp level. Fiction's pretty likely, actually. Like looking at I mean, from a, I think Pulp Fiction's one twenty seventh from the critics' poll. It's one hundred seven on directors. So yeah, like yeah probably. That's funny. They probably David or Russell. I wonder Did if they think, give him a vote this year. I wonder if they think that he's um. <laughs> yeah, does I Heart Huckabee oh, creep man. in? David or Russell? All right, what's your number three? No, he has a he has Groundhog Day on his his pen. That Good job, David Russell. My Did number you... three. My number three sucks. No, looking at now, it's not. It doesn't create an interesting conversation. But it's kind of one that people have like been going back and forth, like to just get back, um, like jump back up high after kind of like falling down and going back up. Godfather, I think, reenters number ten and is like not gonna ever leave again. Oh, I'm I'm not I, so sure about that. I just I feel as though <sighs> everything everywhere all at once effect mm. in that enough people have called this like one of the greatest movies of all time, even though it's not. I mean, um, maybe it is. I just, I, I find it too boring. Yeah, it, but it's not. It's, <laughs> so Francis like, Ford Coppola it. doesn't do enough interesting things visually um, or, or from a technical standpoint for me to ever like consider I just any of his movies I, tremendous. I feel like we have to have, before we like kind of like. But like this is my most boring one, but I just, I just yeah. think, I think um, there's enough of a, um, not, I don't want to use the word hive mind, but there's enough of a synthesis or enough of a consensus and. Um, there's, there's a word I'm looking for not finding, but I think there's enough people who like have that that there's going to be just enough votes for it. To be so there. I so here's where and real because we don't want to have to get bogged down in, in Godfather, you know, kind of revisionist history in terms of like how it's we feel definitely about my Godfather. Favorite, I do think of the, I do think that there means. is a, expanding the thing. There's going to be certain, like you said, universal truths in regards to film. I think you're probably right and. Now that I think about it more, Godfather is probably one of those universal truths in film that people are just kind of like, you know, 2001, whatever, you know, some Hitchcock movie, Godfather, other stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, one Mario, I think, is a little more complicated than Well, more, yeah, I hope so. That's very curious to get your opinion on this. On the 2012 list, Blade Runner... 
Comes in at 69. Nice. Blue velvet. That's kind of a fun time. Yeah. This seems very strange to me. It's not just because I think Blade Runner stinks. And I think Blade Runner 2049 is a better movie. Got a it got a sequel. It's getting like a TV show. Has Blade Runner become... It also has an anime, right? Right. Has Blade Runner become like too franchised to kind of maintain its position on this oh, list? Abs- I mean, absolutely. it's pretty high for the mo- <coughs> for like the kind of movie that it is. I, I don't... I, I think it retains maybe its spot. I do think personally it falls because it is. It is too much... You think it stays it's, on the list, but so, it drops. Let's look at let's look at, let's look at 2012, 2011 when they're voting, mm-hmm. right? Um, the, the film landscape has changed so much in terms of franchising and in terms of that kind of explosion, and we have so many films now that that kind of borrow that visual style and that that language or the combination of, um, I mean, obviously something like Looper is is one hundred percent a homage to the films like Blade Runner but I do think has I, I do think there's not as much and this will tie into my number one I mean I love Blade Runner but I do think a lot of the world has moved on from that mm. and there's too many versions of it there's too much just like definitive like this is already happening in 2007 2008 like the four disc DVD set right um, and all that but but that was all it was but I do think there's gonna be enough comparison with Blade Runner 2049 and the explosion and people saying, like, this is Blade Runner 2049 is one of the greatest films of the decade. Um, Can I ask another question, though, based mm-hmm. on this? If you think, if you think, let's just say for the sake of argument that Blade Runner falls off the list entirely. I mean, maybe it's like 107, but it falls off the, 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 um, the main list. Does another sci-fi movie take its place? Not like specifically at sixty nine, but does do people trade Blade Barbarella. Runner? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Get it? Yeah, that'd be cool. It would be hilarious. Though. Um. Yeah, that'd be that'd be very amusing. Um. You know, I I don't. I don't know. I think what ends up happening instead is some of those higher ranked sci fi films go even further up. I think you see Stalker. Jump maybe into the top twenty. Does Solaris make the the Solaris hit the list? I just that seems like a lot. A lot of Tarkovsky. A lot of Tarkovsky. I mean, I mean Tarkovsky twenty nine. Yeah, but I do think you see something like Stalker pop up. You can see I mean, it's not sci fi, but it has a similar kind of feeling of the era and time of being too, of being a war movie and like a disparate kind of like sentiment of anti war aspect. So like Apocalypse Now rises well, further up, even though it's fourteen. Come and see is making this list right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's it became yeah. enough of a cultural thing. And come and see was like so huge on you know thirty on the directors list. Yeah, I think you see you see those kind of subversive films, transgressive films um, that still kind of follow or pay homage to a very defined genre. Explode onto this. Do scene. we trade? Because there's enough people. Mario, do we trade Blade Runner for a horror movie? Does like. Some kind of Cronenberg, not definitely not Cronenberg. Um, does some kind of elevated horror thing from some era? I don't mean like the new elevated horror. I just mean like something. Well, uh, if, is it's there, if it's going to be that, it's going to be Don't Look Now, right? I guess. So Nicholas Rogue does a, or I was even thinking like some kind of Korean. 
Well, the reason like, I say the reason I say don't look now is because don't look now is on the director's list. Right. And I think the, a lot of people are going to be voting this year are going to be looking at those two lists mm. in kind of like synergy. Interesting. Um, so I think you see don't look now. You maybe I, I don't think it makes the list, but um, the Exorcist. And there is a there is a there is a kind of horror movie on on there already. Getsu is it's pretty high up. Yeah, but it's not it's like, like a, the worst horror movie ever made. Um, not what I actually believe, and like Psycho and all that. But like th- those types of movies don't. I really just mean count. like something that's no like, like a genre movie. I could see something like Suspiria making the top two hundred now. Ooh yeah. I mean I don't know where Suspiria was last. Guadagnino Suspiria. I don't, I, but I could see something like that, you know, kind of, I don't even know if Sight and Sound, I don't know if they even, I don't think Suspiria even got votes because it's not on this at all. Is it not saying like we can't find it? It's just saying get fucked. No, because like looking at a Google search, I think if it got any votes, it would pop up. The Serpent and the Rainbow. Fun. Let's just see if people did this. Like, okay, that apparently but no, I I could see something like that like kind of popping onto the scene. Yeah. But I don't I don't think it's gonna be something modern. Um, my gut would say it would be like don't look now though, because I think that would be sad. I think that movie sucks. I think but. it's fine, but I think it's kind of like the safest one. Yeah. My number two is my number one prediction, mm-hmm. and I think will be number one. And everyone Bring keeps it. going back because there's three films that are mentioned, uh-huh. right? Does Vertigo retain its spot? No. The Citizen Kane regain its spot? No. I don't think so. Does 2001 go to number one? No. Tokyo Story hmm. becomes the new number one. I think that makes sense. Uh, the reason I say that is it, it's enough of a classic, enough of a modern classic, enough of a film that people who are younger, people who don't necessarily part in and then, like have an appreciation for everything that Osu's doing in that movie and still makes sense um, that I think it's going to be one of those ones that continually gets a bunch of votes. And I think a lot of people are just going to leave Vertigo off the list because they don't want it there. Mm-hmm. And I think this is going to be the meta game. I think there's going to be a, a shit ton of meta game. Do you think they introduce a this fifth is the thing, year? This is actually, <clears throat> what's the thing? This is the thing I wonder because I do think people for the first time are going to meta game this list. Yeah, I think so too. Because I think people are going to be like, I don't, like, there's going to be a lot of people voting for Citizen King because they want it back up there. They Why? want it to be number one. Because it's a fucking, who knows. But I think there's a lot of people who are like, oh, people are going to give votes to Citizen Kane. I'm not going to give a vote to Citizen Kane. They're going to leave it off. Because I'm going to vote for. Because there's going to be younger, and there's going to be younger people yeah. popping up. And they're going to be like, obviously. So here's, I mean, Mario, I mean, so basically what you're saying is, I don't mean to interrupt. The like, older director, the older critics won't, but your younger critics who are getting into here will do this. When you look at these lists, when we look at the, the kind of like the raw data for these lists, are you going to see that like on the critics list, like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is like 127? Yeah, you know what I mean? And like kind so. of fuck some shit up because it was like people our <coughs> age and a little bit older than us, like people born in like the 70s are like Charlie Kaufman. Got to be there. Got to be somewhere. Just being John Malkovich makes this list somehow. You know what I, mean? no, I don't Even think it though, does, but I think Eternal Sunshine would be the closest to making it. Right, right, but it's just like one of those things where like they're going to leave They're going to want to, 
they're going to leave they're off the vertigo. Be represented. Right, yeah, exactly. And, and that's going to happen. Yes. And that's what will happen. That's why I think Gian Delman, even though it doesn't deserve to be in the top 10, like, 100%. will be there because enough wrong. people are going to see Gian Delman being so high. And I'm 100% wrong. Wrong. That shouldn't be in the top 10. You would put it in your top 10? Of course. Okay. Not number, number, number one. I put in my negative. I, I would metagame it to put in like a negative. Like, is there like, is a negative vote? If you could take off a vote, I'd do that with Jen Delman. Um, so would Armand White. <laughs> oh, no. There's too Wait many, a minute, what are you doing? There's too many women in that movie. I just vote Portrait of Lady on Fire 10 times. She's not attractive enough, was, would, be Armand White's, would be Armand White's criticism. I just. People don't want to see that. They want to see. They want to see attractive women. You know, you re- re- know by it. I mean, I'm just it has, it has so many, it has, so, it has enough listens. I mean, my problem with that is like, I don't need, experimental filmmaking isn't, isn't something I need, I care. Sure, yeah, yeah. I think it's stupid. If it's stupid, it's, it's fine for 20 to 30 minutes. Um, but no, I think Tokyo Story is enough of something that people will look at, look at this top 10. And it'll tie in heavily into like what I think is well. Let's suddenly tie into my number one, um, but I think it's one of those ones like eight and a half is also kind of there. And but I think Ugh, God. I know, it's, it's awful. That's Jesus terrible. Christ, sucks. Um, we're like the weirdest film podcast. We have to be right. We don't. We're indifferent to Godfather. We think Fellini stinks. But like, but I think I think we're I think we do match a lot in like we're di- we're two very different. People in the in the sense of like oh, I'm very much a technical I'm most almost certainly completely a technical guy and like what personally do I take from this and I don't give a shit whatever people think because mm-hmm. I don't um, and you're kind of I don't care what people think you're the, no you're the more experiment like you have the experimental but which is, pers- what's this personally say to me but also like kind of this like look at, like compare our two lists like yeah. Our, but like I would to be your list. Like, what is my personal dialogue? Sure, right? but to be fair to me, I would probably put two thousand one as my number one movie on this. This oh, and that's list. But it's but I think two thousand one also speaks to you both, like from what you talked about, technically and personal. Like, yes. there's enough of an emotional. We both take emotional resonance. We just approach emotional resonance plays more of a role than anything else. <gasps> it's so fucking weird. Why right? is it doing that? Yeah. Um, it's so, there's so much happening. Yeah, we're drinking uh, East Rock's Winter Lager, which is a crisp box style lager brewed with cinnamon, nutmeg, vanilla brown sugar, and orange peel. It tastes like all of those things happening but, at once. But like, at once, it kind of like, the flavors drop off like yeah, one at a time, they and back, they're just yeah. left with, oh, whew. It's like cinnamon vanilla. Um, I think there's enough of a global appreciation for something like Tokyo I think you're Story. Right. Yeah. Because I, I think and it just hits... I mean, Tokyo Story would be would be mine. I think it would on, be on, on it'd this. be on my list for sure. And I also think it's been studied enough by younger people yeah, coming and, up. And, and this is my thing. There's an awareness of Ozu at that do you know as what, a master. Do you know what I think is going to play a big role in this from an American critic standpoint, what? especially from a younger thing? The YouTube series that was very short, but so many critic younger critics and whatnot bring it up is every frame of painting. Yeah, you talked like, about that before. Scene is so. I mean, I fucking love Scene, but like. Everyone goes, if you want to know mise-en-scene, Tokyo Story. Yeah. Tokyo Story. Tokyo. Like, these no things can't up with Tokyo Story. And no one has an Ozu problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's such a utterly, I don't want to say harmless, It's because it is harmless, but, but like, it's so It's one of those movies that even, comfortable. Though, even though it's black and white and even though it's slow moving, when you watch it, 
even if you don't know very much about film, you're just like, something is happening here. And I maybe don't have the language to express what exactly that is, but I can I can feel it and I can sense it. I can feel what this framing and what like this perspective is doing to me. I can it feel is, that. Yeah, it is the one of two movies I think that are in the top ten that has like that Paddington two effect. In the sense, and, and I was going to say the Paddington two effect. Love it. I love it. But that in the sense that like everyone doesn't have a problem with it. And I think rules of the game is also very similar. I just don't. I think rules of the game right, like is going to drop off because I don't think enough people have seen rules of the game. I don't think Renoir has made it into modern time. He has um, not. What? He has not. Yeah, but Although, I think I think enough. I I still think maybe it's in the top ten. Um, there's one movie I definitely don't think is in the top ten anymore. Um, which was that? Well, it's my number one. Okay. Uh, but I think enough people see Tokyo Story. Tokyo Story is referenced enough. Ozu's still so beloved. He's like in that kind of high-held standard of, you know, Tarkovsky um, amongst kind of the totality of things. He does enough where I think it's going to get so many votes. It's not, and it's not going to get meted mm-hmm. to death. No, I don't think it, it, that I think it's, it's number one. I think you're right. I think that's like the, the key thing is that it's, it's, um, Almost anti meta Yeah, because people are going to be like, well, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I don't know if like, I want it to be in the top like three still, and who knows what's going to happen. I don't want 2001 to take it out, and mm-hmm. I'm still going to vote for it. I'm going to skip, because we already kind of talked about my number two with um, like women filmmakers. Um, <coughs> so I'm going to skip to my, I'm going to just kind of make up one that I had like listed here, um, but I um, list but I, I put it in my brain as something to talk about I think there's a couple of films that are eligible for top 10 like possibility I think with Godard's death I think Breathless is 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 Agreed. a possibility I think my there, face guy did that because I know, you know but me too a Godard problem I think there is a Wong, weekend is number one I think yeah I think there's a Wong Kar Wai kind of uh, um, in the mood for love. Oh, okay. which is twenty four now. I can always see if I see his name. I'm like, oh, in the mood for love, twenty forty eight or whatever. Um, but the, every time I hear his name, I was like, who? <laughs> there was um, during the pandemic. During the pandemic, Tyrion released like a kind of like a huge like retrospective of Wong Kar Wai, and it kind I mean, of redid toured in the mood for love. Yeah. during the pandemic. Yeah, it uh, kind of, and I think one of the reasons we did it is because everyone was for some reason yeah. talking about Wong Kar Wai. There is a chance that Wong Kar Wai like jumps like a bunch of stuff and kind of cements himself as one of the great like filmmakers along with maybe even kind of kicks John. So, I mean, I don't know what you want to talk about with your number one. <laughs> I think the idea of, I think some of the ideas of those, I think some of those movies have just got to go. And you I just, think they're, I think you just got to go. Did you say a first name? Nope. What, you, what was the first name? I did. But what, was the first na- what was the first name you said? John. What's the last name you're gonna say? By the way, I agree with you. I think something like Dreyer will do the same thing. Mm. I think Dreyer pop. I could see Orday Ordet popping up. Oh, I yeah. don't think top ten, but I think it does pop up. So when you said uh, when you said when you said uh, the name, what's the last name you were gonna say? John Ford. That's my number one there. Yeah, it will. The Searchers will leave the top ten. It will possibly even leave the top twenty. It will never, ever come back because. The world has moved on from people like John Ford. Why? And why is that? Let's compare it to the director's list. 
The director's list has um, the searchers. I can't even. It's it's in here, but forty-eight, right? Mm -hmm. Number seven on the critics list is the searchers. Let's look at some other movies on the top ten of the critics list. Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans, Man with a Movie Camera. Are these even on the director's list? Uh, I don't know. I interrupted your chain of thought. Man with a Movie Camera is 48. Sunrise is 22. Hmm, uh, Sunrise I can still see being up there. But the issue, I think, with classical criticism versus modern criticism, mm -hmm. and by issue I mean the good thing, is classical criticism often focuses on the foundation, right? Like, before everything was influenced, your favorite directors are influenced by this. And there's absolutely every reason, you know, to say that Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese are influenced by John Ford, because they are. Yeah. You know, they say it themselves. They have was, it there. Yes. But, and classical criticism tell you, like, to find out, like, the origins of film, the importance of film, like, this is what you need to look at and and see and do. And that's where the value is. But now, we don't, I, I criticism, like look at us personally and look at a lot of like, re, like reviewers, not, I want, we're not rising up, but reviewers rising up. We're like, who gives a flying fuck about the foundations? Mm -hmm. That Those movies are 60 years old and watching them now, they're not doing anything interesting from a modern standpoint. Mm -hmm. I look at Battleship Potemkin and I'm like, there's there's a story being told that's Still modern interesting. Movie. Yeah. You know, and there's a historical aspect to it that I like, kind of like get and appreciate. I look at rules of the game and I'm like, that's a super modern movie. You know, I don't think enough people have seen it, so I think it's gonna drop down, but it makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even as much as I don't like it, something like All His Art, well, that's, not, that's not really that old, but something you know, contemporary like Seven Samurai. Or, um, you know, it's only a few years breathless or something. Are, are things that, like, a modern person can capture. Mm. I don't think enough modern criticism gives a shit about the fact that some, like, dumb, fucking, boring-ass, piece-of-shit Western movie, which The Searchers is, because John Ford sucked, that stagecoach shot showing fucking... John Wayne, and it closes in, and it's like, that's a great shot, because John Ford's usually so fucking steady, and he just has, because he's lazy as shit, because he fucking was. Um, <laughs> no, I, because, I, and, and it, obviously, this is one of those things where it's just like, if people didn't tell me to love this guy because of what he represented for film, I wouldn't. Right, me too. Uh, I, I just wouldn't care. I wouldn't it's even like, it's watch like, it. It's like Hawks. It's like Howard, uh, Howard Hawks, right? Yeah. Um, like, uh, Rio Bravo is, is, is fine. I look at it and see it's fine, but it's probably, if I looked at those two films together, I'm, I mean, I like fine, decent things with Man and the Liberty Bounds, but if I looked at those two things together, I'd be like, these are basically the same film, but I have much less harsh feelings for that for Rio Bravo than I do for The Searchers because people are like, Searchers is great, and you got to understand the foundation and what it influenced. That's like, it doesn't fucking matter. And I don't think modern criticism, I think it's the same way. They're going to look at, I think, the, with the expansion of voters, mm -hmm. with the 10 years that separates it, and the kind of the change in criticism is going to look at it and be like, it doesn't hold up. It's right. just a movie. 
which it is. It's not a bad. It's boring. It's it's dull. I don't think it's a, one of the worst movies ever made or anything. It's just a movie. No. But is it the seventh greatest film no. in the history of cinema? No, absolutely not. And it's the same thing with like something like Sunrise. Yeah, I respect what it did and what it influenced, but it just doesn't matter. The anymore. movie I keep coming back to in this in this exact context is not something so that's many very, years ago. It's not something that's very high up, but it's the thing that I always find fascinating that it made it is um, the color of pomegranates. Have you ever seen that the color of pomegranates? When we were doing our thing in the in that summer of the pandemic, I watched it just because I was like, "What is this movie?" And it's it's almost not even a movie. I'm not sure how it got on this list. It's a lot of like kind of like tableaus. Um, there's no way it stays on this site on the like a modern sight and sound list. There's just yeah. there's just no way because as what it's like Alzard Bathazar. I think it's going to have the same kind of. I think fall-off. so too because there's what we're looking. What modern critics are looking for is not this. Yeah. It's not anything that you tell me. And I, I'm, I'm just using me as an... I'm, obviously, I don't have a vote, and I'm not like a modern critic. I'm just a guy. Spoilers, we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it wouldn't be awesome. But like, yeah, that would actually be very fucking awesome. I would have fucking just been stupid. <laughs> Die Hard would have Where been. Where would Robocop Hard. have been on your list? Wouldn't have made it, but Die Hard would, would yeah. be. Um, just, it's just not necessary. That's the thing. I, this is the conversation I have about literature all the time. It's like... There's no reason. There's no reason to read a John Updike novel. There just is zero reason to read one because there's other people that are doing exactly what he's doing and doing it better and like with more empathy and with more depth. And that's and especially has we become a more kind of global culture, a culture that has more access to everything. These older films that like streaming wasn't really a thing in 2000. That's going to be huge. That people too. could see stuff. Yeah. I didn't really think about that. Streaming's going to fucking, it could explode this list. Right. Because streaming, Again. Like, like streaming was what, like one or two years old from Netflix at this time? That didn't exist in Netflix. In 2012? I don't think so. I think streaming stuff had just started like 2010. But it was just like, like Orange take- is the New Black and House of Cards, right? No, there's a lot of classic was stuff it? on there. I remember because I like would watch but it. But the color of pomegranates over. wasn't on there. But it is. No. You can go see color of pomegranates all over the place now. There's <clears> no <throat> way that like a 40-year-old film critic who like has interests and feelings beyond just what they're supposed to like is going to watch. And again, the color of pomegranates is a fine movie. I actually found it very interesting. It's just like the idea that like uh, this number of people, again, are going to say that movie belongs on a list more than like you know, any of the other movies that we talked about that aren't on this list or like anything on my number one um, question that I have um, is preposterous. Well, what do I think, what I think really nuts. pops up on this list high? Because it's, I think there's going to be a lot of classic movies, older movies that maybe now do pop up that weren't as much in the consciousness. Exterminating Angels, I could see. Fuck yeah. Popping Fuck way onto yeah. this list. Because things like, I mean, I could see Rules of the Game still staying in the top 20 because it's so... Prezient and I don't want to say prezient, but it's so timeless is the best easy way of saying it. Um, but it's also so it's, it's so modern in the set, but because it is, it, it's still interesting to watch. It's still yes. it still has a lot of modern things. But to it's stay. also part of the film culture exactly in the way that Tokyo Story is. So even if it's not canonized here as like I mean Rules of the Game is before Tokyo Story is number three, um, they're not canonized in the same way as like Citizen Kane is. No one ever says Tokyo Story what largely people feel is the greatest film ever made. Everyone's like Citizen Kane, one of the greatest films ever made, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
you know, I guess the same thing with Vertigo, kind of like. Can you imagine if Citizen Kane just doesn't show up? That would be. I think I canceled. Oh man, Fox News. No, just people died. just didn't vote for it. Um, no, and that's that, but yeah, that's the thing. I think there's so much access to films and older films that just older critics and older directors didn't have. So that makes it just the movies like that disappear. Here's my number one, Mario, and it speaks to this exact thing, and it'll go back a little bit to one of the John Ford sucked. Yeah, John Ford stink. He's just boring. Um, he sucked as a, yeah, actually he really sucked as a person. So sure. But I'm just saying, even as like a filmmaker, if we yeah. decide we're going to be the people that kind of disregard like what someone was like as a person and just look at their films, I'm not really super interested in the searchers. Sorry. Um, there is one uh, black filmmaker on this list, on the 2012 list. It is Tuki, Toki Bogey, Toki, Tuki Boogie, whatever. Um, is Matty Diop's um, uncle. Uh, what was the home? It's number 70, it's number 93, tied for 93. Ali Furious' soul? Tuki Buki. Oh, okay. Um, no, Ali Furious' soul is a... Is oh, a, uh, absolutely. I mean... You get more black filmmakers, you're saying? Or? Spike Lee. Spike Lee's in this. Do the Right Thing is what number? Has to be, right? Fucking has to be. Has to be. Um, I mean, does Killer of Sheep get on this list? I would assume it does. I mean, I think the Killer of Sheep, Charles Burnett. I think the killer of sheep. You, it, it's it's well. This is this is, and, it's and gotta we'll, be. We'll talk got, about this. Gotta on, creep up. We'll talk about this off air, but we'll talk about it on air on Thursday. Okay. Like Superfly has a chance. It's gotta be Melvin Gordon Jr.'s like gotta be represented on this thing. Does Cassie Lemons get on with Eve's Bayou? Does Carl Franklin, The Devil in a Blue Dress, get on? Um, yeah, like, especially do the right things. One twenty seven. That movie explodes. I don't. I don't. Do the right thing. This is. <coughs> I mean, I, I really don't want to like virtue signal here, but like the 2012 list is unacceptable. It's it's a, no, it's a mix. Yeah, and it's and it's it's not virtual signaling because it's a, it's a matter of two things. It is a matter of access, and it is a matter of the global dialogue exploding. Mm-hmm. In 2012, 2011, we had these things. A lot of people still don't have that, cell right? phones. Didn't have smart. I was not going to say it. Didn't have smartphones still. I was like, I just pointed. I have one of these. I still understand we're in an audio medium. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, actually, grab one of these. Uh, no, we these. Uh, I don't know. I feel like this is eating into my soul. Um, so I think there is there there is a more conscientiousness in terms of both the totality of films but also in terms of the importance of, even if you don't necessarily understand a film, you have a dialogue with people who get it, they tell you why it's important for them, and then you go, you grow an appreciation for it. Like, Do the Right Thing for me is, personally, like it doesn't do anything. I think it's a well-done piece of filmmaking, but that exposure to other people's experience, and I don't want to say empathy or whatnot, but it is that, uh, will make it that it, there's more representation. It's not virtual signaling. I think it's just the fact that there is an increased maturity in awareness of others in addition sure. to an ex- increased exposure to the film that is going to have a uh, higher range of movies that has more representation. That's very, I mean, that's very generously said. I mean, I just, I, I get it. I'm just, I'm, even though no one's listening. You're preemptively. Why are we listening? No, but I mean, not that anyone's. Like but not that anyone's. Not getting up there. It's going up. Is going to email us and be like, listen, motherfucker, like liberal 
fuck heads. Like, oh, I hope, you know, oh man. I mean, that'd be great. Re-fucking I mean, invited. I'm not sure we're getting that. Um, I welcome it. Don't firebomb me because I just, that's going to affect my neighbors in this 1,000 story building. It's not going to hit me. It's going to hit Right, because you're people. not going to get it up that high, so it's going to arc and it's going to, you know, it's going to hurt people. Yeah. Um, it's just, I mean, I'm curious to see how far it goes, but I always, every time I look at this 2012 list, and I, you know, when I, I forget when I became aware of, like, the BFI, like, you know, Sight and Sound, like, 2015 decade, something, like yeah, that. it wasn't, definitely wasn't 2000, I definitely wasn't aware of the 2012 list. I don't think it really mattered in, like, the global conversation. It mattered to a core Until, like, 2012, right. obviously, was the first time, and then over the next few years, it became important right for casual became, film viewers so, like us and this is the thing so what we're doing now is a little bit prognosticating the same way that like uh people try to anticipate who's going to win the nobel prize and like put odds on stuff and there's like all these people and then it's like someone no one even considered you yeah. know making an odds for and that's a little bit what we're doing here i mean this list can in a lot of ways stay exactly the same and people will be like makes a lot of sense you know blah 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 but it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, if so, I would if we were making if we so were I'm doing trying to gamify it, yeah. If we were doing my top ten, I'm trying to Nate Silver this motherfucker. Nate Silver should that, do a fuck five. That fucking guy. He should. He's a fucking looking weird. You know weirdo. what's fucking? You know what I hate? Well, no, no. Let's not, let's let's, okay, let's take it off. We're on. off topic. <laughs> we're off topic. Um, vote Warnock. Um, do the right thing would be my number two, and it's not even on the fucking list. You know what I mean? That makes no sense. I think that's the thing that is, you said it much more elegantly. Um, this list, in a lot of ways, looking at this 2012 list, makes this list makes no sense. And it's not, like you said, because of virtue signaling. It's because film means more than just a collection of names to establish the um, lineage of like the name that comes after it. You know what I mean, like the or the or the scaffolding of the names that come after it. So you have, you have to have Sunrise, Song of Two Humans to have some other, you know, movie. You have to have the Searchers to have the Wild Bunch. You have to have, which I think, I think if the Searchers goes down, I think the, something like the Wild Bunch, which kicks fucking ass, goes well, cause, way cause up. The Wild Bunch ends up becoming a synthesis of yes Italian Western filmmaking and of American If Western I had a top 20, how is it Something good like Unforgiven is not going to make the top 100. Like Unforgiven could be high up in the top hundreds. Sure, but like how does The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly like, not show up on this list? Is it because Once Upon a Time in the West is on this list? And so it didn't need like two of those types of things? It just seems weird to me. It seems very, very weird. I mean, the, like, so it's one of these things where this is trying to be canon but like, there's certain things that are are just in the bloodstream of cinema forever, and they're not represented here. Like, I'm I don't want you to punch me. Two eighty three is where fascinating. Ugly showed up. Fifty nine on the director's. Poll. Mario really would like the you director's to, poll is is makes significantly more fucking better. By the way, can you promise not to punch me in the face after I say I what mean, I'm going to say? Depends on what you're going to say. <laughs> How is just don't do it, okay? Don't do it. Yeah. The Matrix has to be on one of these lists. has to be on this list. I don't think so. But kind of it does, right? Does it? I think it does. In the same way that Pulp Fiction kind of like redefined what a certain kind of movie was going to be, The Matrix 
kind of just was action movies forever. I mean, they're still making movies that are just like that. It's a scene that's like the Matrix, and then you're looking at it, and you're like, yeah, that's not that doesn't work the same way. It didn't take any votes, by the way. Of course, it didn't. But and I like it's possible. And in, in one on one level, that makes a lot of sense. But on another level, it makes no sense because what is this trying to do? A canon is a canon is always trying to preserve the history of something. Well, it's, it's you know be, what I mean. It's gonna be the cost of what? It's gonna be the cost of. I mean, if it does, like they're gonna see a bunch of shit drop off. That's like Santantago is gone. Fuck you. It's but it's no. Gone. But I think it's gone. <sighs> the history of cinema. Oh yeah, because most people aren't Sherlock Junior. Gone. Fine. Goodbye, Sherlock Junior. Pickpocket is gone. Well, that's too bad. Uh, Does does um, does Werner Herzog drop off this list? Does Wrath of God, like, and I do, I do think. You think there's some? Do we? I do think there's some cancellations that happen that significantly from. I mean, is is he even in the top? He's got to be somewhere in here, right? Who? Somebody like Polanski's. Got is in. I don't think he has any movies on here. Oh, Polanski's in the. Yeah, he does. He has Chinatown. I think oh, Chinatown's yeah. gone. Do they trade? So I the, do think Chinatown's like, gone. Or like, bottom. wouldn't you trade? I think it drops heavily. It drops heavily. He has several. I think in the director's poll. I'm surprised. I off the top of my head, but. when I was looking at this list, I was really surprised that Chinatown is on this list, but the French Connection is on this list. On this list. Like, because Friedkin's not canceled, but the movie is very tough culturally. But I also think that The French Connection's a much better movie than Chinatown. They're not the same movie, but oh, they're, they're like well, contemporaries good. of each other. I mixed it up in my head. I was like, you're fucking wrong. Like, oh. <laughs> no, you're, you're absolutely right. Any movie that has Gene Hackman is better than a movie that has Jack Nicholson. I don't think, I don't think it's as culturally hard, though. No, but Popeye's is, is not like a nice guy to African Americans. Yeah, that's true. But I, I think. But I think they. I think it's in in. But I think it's 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 metaing, right? I I think like people are like, oh, but it's still like technically superior, blah blah blah. So this is where I think Get Out has a chance, because it's going to be, do the right thing. I would assume it would be do the right thing. Pillar of Sheep would be the classic. How many Herzog movies are on? I, just one. Right, just. Wrath of God. Yeah, I think it still pops. It's just so still talked about that I think. It or does plays. it? Does Grizzly Man get in there? You you could see no. I mean, I won't. But you could see like a rise in documentaries. You could. Does Sarah Polly get on here? Does stories we tell get on this list? No. Does camera person get? No, on I this think list? I think something from Varda. Like a couple of things from Varda, probably. Oh, it's possible. I would just assume. I see that's the thing, and I would assume that the older generation would be like. I need to put a woman on my list. I'm going to put Cleo on my list and not like, you know. Yeah. Whatever. No, that's, and that, I do, I, I think Any other really Varda cool. movie. I'm going to put the most specifically French New Wave movie on this list and not like something but, more modern. Really, really quickly, do you have some hopes? Do you have any hopes? Like, my, like besides predictions, hopes? My hope is that Do the Right Thing makes a list. Um, my hope is that um, I just hope I don't, I don't. I guess I don't really have. I just to do the right thing. It really bugs me. I no, hope. It needs, do you want like yeah. negative hopes? No. Like I hope that like, whatever. Again, I I mentioned the Selma thing before. I hope that like some shitty movie doesn't end up on this list because of that virtue signaling yeah. thing I mentioned before. Um, I don't even know what that would be. I, I just hope it's just doesn't. I just hope it doesn't happen. 
the one the one kind of big hope I have, I mean, the negative hope being that Searcher's fucking implodes an eight and a half it also disappears. Um, it's something and uh, Godard also, but I, I, I like bicycle feet. Like that's rough to look at that like so far down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it something is. like that. Some of these some of these movies that are both still modern, but so pivotal. To like the creation of what would follow, mm-hmm. like they created, like I'm okay with like Metropolis not being as high up, you know. I'm, I'm, Metropolis being 35, I think is almost too high because I think it's historically important, and especially to like the cinema of the time, not just the create you know, that episode. You listen to the episode; yeah, yeah. it's one of my best researched episodes. But something like Bicycle Thieves being below Taxi Driver rubs me the wrong way. I agree with you. I would love to see because um... it's both modern and inherently important to what yeah. would follow. I think it'd be interesting. I think, I think it'll be interesting to see what like this current culture does with Scors- like someone like Scorsese. Does Goodfellas make this list? Do we trade? Or no, I, do we add a Scorsese film? I think we might. Um, I, I don't have hope for that. I just am saying that I think it might. What I hope, so I hope you ask me about hope. Like mean streets. I think... Intolerance, man, that movie's gone. Yeah, yeah. Sure <laughs> I just saw Intolerance, saw Intolerance. I think that um, movie's fucked. <laughs> I think Apocalypse Now being fourteen is kind of an accident, but I hope it maintains its relative position. Like, I hope it stays between like fourteen and like twenty-two, and doesn't drop into like the fifties. Yeah, I, I don't like it, but I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I think it's one of those movies. I just, it's not for me. But I don't have. Yeah, any, we've already. I mean, that's yeah, a re- yeah. conversation we had on the podcast. Yeah. But, um, I, I just think there's movies that clearly... I think it's like a Battleship Potemkin thing, right? But I think you have more of an appreciation for Battleship Potemkin than I do for Apocalypse Now. Sure, but I think Battleship... I do hope Battleship Potemkin maintains its relative position. Yeah. And but that could be like, you know, 11 to 17 or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I think it just... I think it needs to Top be... Top 25. I think it needs to be there in the conversation. I think that's one... I think that's the importance of this list. And I'm not sure what else you have to say about it. I think the importance of this list is that it, it creates conversations um, surrounding like what is film, which sounds like a, such a fucking stupid thing to say, but I'll tell you a story. Is that like, so I work at a library for people that don't know, and I had made a display recently of all the films that we had that were on the 2012 list. So I took every film that we had, every DVD that we had of the movies that were on here, and I put them out. It was like, I think we had like 30 of them. When I went into work um, on Monday, there was five left. And that's why I think so. I think, I think people awesome. are, and I put a sign that says like the BFI list, the new BFI list. Once a decade comes out on December first. Catch up on everything that was on the twenty twenty the twenty twelve list. And they fu- and people just took them. And look, uh, the best, yeah. And that's why I think of it. No matter where things go, searchers needs to fucking drop off. But no matter where things go, um, what if it gets higher? Let's let's look at let's look let's look at it from our personal perspective from like what you just said yeah but from our perspective as a podcast our fucking sight and sound episodes are our biggest episodes like by and far outside of the end kind one they're but, also like very fun to do yeah because we <coughs> through personal experience on the on like the podcast in general but that we are only asking ourselves to just like look to film. Yeah, just look at it. I think we're. Like, what I did think, you see? I think we're fucking really good at that. I think we're almost better. I think it's just more. I think we're good at doing that, and it's more interesting to listen to, right? Um, yeah, which is probably why our the the episodes where we spend a lot of time reviewing new movies and not talking about ourselves are like 
function better. Yeah, exactly. Because because we had five to six times the listenership. Because and, and that's why I think the importance of and the fun of sight and sound is, it's like I'm going to disagree with a shit ton of it, um, but it's there's going to like there's going to be movies there where I'm like oh, I still haven't, I see it, didn't see it back in 2012, still haven't seen it. You know, I think this is going to be one where I'm going to try to watch everything that I haven't seen or have only seen maybe tangentially um, again. Yeah, and I think to that exact point, there's a very good chance that stuff we haven't even mentioned here. I mean, we're kind of talking about like the very surface level. Like, yeah, because you can't even want to do the deep stuff. There is, not even that, I think there is stuff that's underneath all this stuff that modern critics probably have a better awareness of than critics in 2012 had. No. Um, like, is African cinema represented in a different way here? Is, um, you know, South American cinema, which is, I think, wholly absent from here, represented in some way? And I think when you said, like, people are going to meta it, I think people, the new people on this that have a vote here are going to say, this is what was missing. Here's a, a movie to represent that. Yeah, what's the movie? What's the one film that represents... Latin, um, Latin American film. Yeah, again, it's, and it's, it's true because because there's things in cinema like through the aspect of this podcast or through our own experiences. Um, and it's not on here, but and that's, is that post 2012? Uncle Uncle Bombi's post 2012. Mm-hmm. Don't even think about that. That probably is on there. That's or, on here. Yeah, for sure. Uncle Bombi's in the top under, isn't it? I would assume so. Yeah, but that because it's doing something completely new. Um, what was that? Movie? No, it wasn't. It was 2010. Wasn't was it 2010? You can check that because your your computer is faster than my phone. Um, Maybe it's two thousand thirteen, two thousand ten. You're right, but it's it was doing something completely. I thought it was two thousand thirteen as well, doing something completely new. Um, but even something like not moving necessarily. Oh God, what was that? It was a Kenyan that we removed it. Or we reviewed it on the podcast. It mostly follows a small child. Um, it was an African film. Uh, a lot of times, a lot of the shots were kind of like. It's very fantastical. A lot of it's kind of like takes place near. You know what I'm talking about, though. I do. We will bring it I up can later. Fucking see it. I will mind. look it up and we'll talk. I will mention it on the Thursday episode. But like that was doing some things I hadn't seen before. In Why film. can't I think of this movie? I yeah, can I, literally see it. In I my can mind. see. I'm saying exactly. What the fuck? No, both, I'm sorry, it's too bad. We both. We both in. <laughs> Enjoyed it, right? Yeah. Um, what the hell? Because it's movie doing something yes, new, and I yes, hope yes, yes. I hope to God that's what happens. Because like, I do too. We have full time jobs that aren't movie watching. I, I wish we had full time jobs that were movie watching and making. Yeah, but yeah. The, I I do. That is, I guess, my biggest hope for this is is just more exposure. Show me something. to a more yes. global thing that that people who whose job it is and whose need to like constantly experience these things. That's been the best part of this podcast. Is just exposure to like these new ways you know of what? contextualizing and seeing the I world. I love that, and I think it kind of speaks to the kind of like the nature of this episode. Is I think one of the things that like held me back from finding the Fablemans to be like really super interesting was that it wasn't doing anything even vaguely new. Oh, absolutely. it was just kind of rehashing um, a lot of aesthetic Spielberg tropes, um, a family story that if you are aware of Spielberg, like even like moderately, you are very aware of like what his family life was like up to a certain point. Um, it, it, it was, it's just very safe and, 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 and emotionally kind of, you know, obvious, um, which doesn't make it a non-enjoyable film, but it also doesn't, it's not going to kind of like 
So I'll tell you, I'll go to something that's definitely not going to be on this list, but I just watched um, We're All Going to the World's Fair the other night. I really enjoyed that. I did too. And I think I wouldn't say go so far as to say that it's doing something different, but it is doing something novel. Exciting. Yeah. In yeah, its simplicity, it's, not novel, but, yeah. it's doing something exciting in its simplicity and how it's using its limited resources in um, it's using its limited resources in really interesting ways. And to go to the to compare to direct comparison to the Fablemans, and we're all going to the World's Fair. There's an emotional resonance to everything that's happening in that film that there isn't in the Fablemans. I never worried about Sam Fableman. And where he was going to go, regardless of what was happening to him. I was desperately worried for Casey in We're All Going to the World's Fair. And it, was be- it wasn't because it's like one of the great, you know, one of the thousand best movies of all time. But it was because it was doing something I didn't see coming. And it would be cool if the, this sight and sound list reflected like, and I guess this is just like a personal wish, but I think film would be better for it if it reflected that kind of experimentation, that kind of innovation, that kind of excitement, instead of something like The Color of Pomegranates, which, again, is an interesting movie, but is probably the least exciting movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, yeah, and, it's, and I, think, I think I agree with that, because Fablemans I really enjoy because it feels comfortable, like kind of like that blanket, warm feeling. And the reason I think like I compare it to Paul Thomas Anderson is because I'm sure... Paul Thomas Anderson was influenced in some ways by some of the stuff that like Steven Spielberg was doing sure. and whatnot. And that's where that kind of connection comes in. But I agree that I hope this list kind of reflects that both on a, like a global cinematic level, because we just us versus somebody living in Africa versus somebody living in Thailand versus somebody living in Colombia, mm. see the world in completely yes. entirely different ways, not only just culturally, but just in, in, in terms of just a language uh, that is both, Linguist, like actual language, but also in terms of a visual language. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. Because of the fact that the greatest thing about for me about film is is that component of sound, of word, of visuals, and it just increases the imagination. Like, like the way I can see the world and conceptualize the world become feels bigger. Yep. the more I consume. So that's really fucking awesome because this mo- this list feels non-big. This list feels very contained and like hermetically sealed. I mean, it feels... And doesn't want anything new to be inside it. It feels European-American with some Asian influence. And, and then, just, Absolutely. Right? And they're like, oh, and, and Mulholland Drive. And the Asian influence... And that's it. Well, no, but that's still American. But the Asian influence also feels heavily... Um, the Asian aspect of, the, of this list feels influenced still by... Shakespeare and some European kind of sensibilities. But the Asian just, was also Asian aspects of these lists have also been absorbed by a lot of these American filmmakers. So like yeah, absolutely. you know, Scorsese will tell you forever about like the ways in in Coppola as well, the various ways in which Kurosawa like inspired them to do and Ozu and everything. Um so you have that here. You know what I mean? That's represented here, but that stops. Like it fucking stops. And then there's like weirdnesses of, you know, Lynch, I guess. Um is, is weird enough that he's kind of a, beyond those influences. And there's a lot of Lynch on this list, actually. Um, I guess a lot is like a relative term in that there's two films on here. But um, I, just want, I just want more. I want, I want to feel more than that kind of like 
direct line from here to here to here, and then it stops. Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping for a lot of just like, what the fuck is that movie? What the fuck is that movie? That's what I'm hoping for. A or, lot but or like, like we, you know, we mentioned our movies that we thought out of before. We mentioned really... Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind before, but like some kind of just like weird, even something weird in the last like 20 years would be like, how did that get there? Yeah, like, clean shaven. I mean, clean shaven would be cool. Under the Silver Lake, you know what I mean? Would be like, if if what would you do if that was number one? I really like that movie. <laughs> Although no, I think it was deeply, deeply flawed. Mm. But I enjoyed third movie. I enjoyed the shit out of it. Yeah. And, I think and it did it worked functioned perfectly and it was exciting in its like flaws. Selfishly, I hope there's less classics and more just new blood. In the sense of I, I just I just want Give me to see one, something new. Let's end on this. Give me one totally out there, but if we had another hour. You could make a case for it, new blood film that you would be, you think could. Jesus Christ, that is just perchance see on this list. Put it oh, like I could see on the list, but like you, you have, s- do you have yours? Do you have yours? Because I, I want to think of like that's that's putting me on the spot spot there. Because um, God, Moria. Uh, yeah, because Get Out's not like it's not it's not it's not yeah, out it's, there it's, enough. It's, it's, it's not part of the canon. Um, the racer had too much part of the canon, so I, I wouldn't want to see that. Uh, with like with like Requiem for a Dream, it's not out there enough for me. Uh, no, okay. Um, Pink Flamingos. Oh, oh yeah, that's a good one. I mean, it's old, but it's like it's totally fucking out there. Yeah, and it's something out there enough to where I think enough I think enough people have seen it, but it's it's I think mine is I was thinking of Steve McQueen. I think mine is shame. Shame yeah. in like the seventies. A certain generation just thinks that shame like shame just kind of like sits under the radar of people saying like holy fuck, like shame. Yeah, and I th- I think I I I, I want to see I would want to see something from trash cinema just on here. That would be awesome. Like a like a like a goddamn trauma movie. It never happened, but I just would want to see something like that because it is representative of an entire style of film that is never going to be represented on one of these lists. But probably should be. Yeah, because it because it does influence every, everything in genre a lot of genre filmmaking to this day. Mm. Like trauma does influence. <laughs> trauma influences a lot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. So, yeah. Just hope my one hope, Mario. No, it's not, it's not weird enough. But no, that's that's, that's spot, fantastic. Um, my one hope. You asked for my one hope before. My one hope is that there are no James L. Brooks movies on this list. Broadcast news. Does not make the list. Well, that's, is it your mean hope now? Yeah. I'll do my mean hope, but I that I won't think will happen, and then re- rewind there. I hope Robert Altman's gone. Oh, I actually think he might add one. Probably. I think McCabe and Mrs. Miller like finds a way to creep into the the bottom. But if Nashville would disappear forever, I wouldn't be surprised if Nashville and his second movie on the list like end up being closer together towards the bottom. You know what I mean? 
you know how like some of these directors have like their movies that are kind of like like pretty close to each have, other does he only have Nashville he only has Nashville okay. yeah it would not surprise me if McCabe and Mrs. Miller ends up on here or Shortcuts uh, Shortcuts I think is more likely but, but they're very close yeah like Nashville falls and he adds a movie and they're just like you know 89 and 92 or something number one's Gottford Park Ryan Felipe, a movie starring Ryan Felipe, ends up on. If Cruel Intentions is number one, you would. Some people are very sympathetic. Someone Blair. I know what you did last summer. Wins this critics poll. If that happens, I will. If that happens, we'll reactivate our Twitter account. No, I'll do something. I'll do. I'll do something crazy. Like what? I don't know. I would eat three whole pizzas on the next in-person episode. While podcasting. While podcasting. <laughs> if I know what you did last summer, is number one. I will eat three large meat lovers pizzas on the air. You know there's someone who's listening to this that does have a moment to say, fuck, it's too late. Too late. <laughs> I would have called all my bros. No, it has to be, it has to be, yeah, number one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Imagine. Um, we, we would... No, there's no justification for it. Podcast would get big. So here's a, I mean, I would love to, so that's the thing, I could talk about this all day. Does something like Scream have a chance? No, 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 no. Does something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre have a chance? No, 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 no. You don't think so? No, I think these movies are gonna... I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre does have a chance. I just think, I just think they're so niche enough and genre enough But I enough think too. what we're at, I think by adding 800 people to this list, you're increasing just, the opportunities yeah, I know, for but, something niche to get God, I just, I just wish, like, those movies are so quintessentially American that that, it's not, I feel like that just they, increases but they are, the... Look at the French New Extremity. That is just people remaking Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but with better oh, so, cameras. So, sorry, sorry. European-American. I just wish it's, like, not so European-American that that becomes... Like, if you were to say audition, sure. I would say has audition too. has yeah. a possibility. It doesn't. But I think audition, I would hope that audition makes it before um, Texas Chainsaw, Chainsaw Massacre. I would huh. hope that something like Devil's Backbone makes it before Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, and, I, and I say this because of the yes. fact that, you know, I'm not like saying like, it's not, it's not virtual sick. It's, it's literally just like, I, as a person who loves horror, I just want to see... But again, something new I didn't know. Devil's um, Backbone should not make it before Pan's Labyrinth, but the nature of the list kind of dictates that it should, right? That it probably would. Yeah, I would, I would assume so. Probably no, because I think they're both genre enough that Pan's Labyrinth would. But I think Pan's Labyrinth is too popular. Maybe. And was it, it was kind of like a. Kronos. Kronos seems like the one from all of his movies that would be the most likely. Hellboy too. No, I think Kronos would be the. Niche enough. I can't wait for this movie, for this list to come out, and for everything everywhere all at once to be like 62, and for you to literally drive to wherever I am, and like just punch me in the face as like a representative of like everybody in the world. If everywhere, you're like I need to punch somebody. I'm gonna punch my best friend. Everywhere all at once. Which I'm allowing you to do that. Everywhere. Mario, imagine if everything everywhere all at once. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's eligible. But if it's some, because I don't know if they edit it. If it makes the top 200, I will eat a full <laughs> medium-sized meat lover's pizza on, on the next podcast episode. Mario, imagine if that was why they were the so early list. in the year. It was because they were like, oh, this is going to be prime voting time. I think I, might, I think I might quit the podcast at that point. I mean, the podcast is like ostensibly 
like over except for like emergencies and like event things anyway but like we're gonna start record more yeah but after the best of we're, we're done for a long time <laughs> we're done for a long time I'm cramming now and I feel like shit and I'm I can't wait to be ha- done having to cram stuff oh. I can't wait to go back to our life and we could just be like you know movie was good to this let's talk about that for an hour without like having well, to that's, cram that's the end of the year and- like this, some of this we should cut because there's I was gonna have a suggestion about something. Um, let's so let's do our wrap up. So yes, we will be back. If you're gonna put this out tomorrow, I guess I'm gonna try to put it out tonight. Yeah. Okay, well if you do that, uh, we'll be back. I guess in two days when we talk about the sight and sound, uh, the sight and sound list. Yeah, we'll see. Um, and if you want to uh, talk to us about it, you can send us an email at Pivotal Film Podcast. At gmail.com. Yeah, I apologize to Mario earlier, but I apologize to listeners as well. No, don't, don't apologize. But just feel gross. I feel gross participating in whatever well, the fuck is happening. Yeah, you can, uh, you can tweet at our uh, truth socialist at truth social pivotalfilm.com. <laughs> Imagine if that was where all our listeners were going. <laughs> oh, God. Um, or you can go to pivotalfilm.com and see a list of the movies on our pivotal film list and the beers that we drank when we were doing that stuff. Um, but yeah, we'll see you in a couple days. Um, Watch Cram for the Sight and Sound. Have an opinion. Yeah. Watch all 100 films in the next If you haven't days. seen Tokyo Story, watch Tokyo Story. Yeah. If you haven't seen something like Rules of the Game, watch Rules of the Game. You know what I mean? If like, you see something like The Shirt Searchers, watch Rules of the Game again. If you, say, if you haven't seen something like The Searchers, watch a different fucking Western. Watch Wild Bunch. Watch Treasures of the Sierra Madre, which is weird that it's not on this list. Yeah, I guess so. You know what I mean? All right. Uh, we'll see you soon. Watch Black Narcissus. Oh, yeah. How is that not on this list? Yeah.